0: Are the Knicks better than the Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks 16-game winning streak being snapped, and more? Today, we have much to discuss in the NBA, NFL, and MMA, as last night, UFC 285, the debut of not only Bo Nickel, but the return of John Bones Jones. But today, guys, we have a big one. Eight days away from NFL pregnancy, and so we raised the stakes. Instead of previewing two teams this offseason we preview a total of four. The Lowly Chargers, the defending champion Chiefs, the New England Patriots, not, but instead the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. <sighs> Brandon, I gotta let you know something, brother. I've got nothing good to say today about your Clippers. Absolutely nothing.
1: That's it, you just got nothing to say. First off, I like how you like to phrase them as my Clippers. I never, I never. I'm not a fan of the Clippers. I, I am a fan of Kawhi Leonard. My team is right here, always will be. All right, Miami for life. Uh, well, they just but got I'm not cooked Clippers by the still. Knicks. Yeah, but update just- your resume. We just beat the Hawks, so that that's in the power. You bring up the past, Justin. Bring up something that just happened, dude. Like, what are you doing? All right, like. Who cares? about that happened like how long ago?
2: Like two days ago.
1: Nah, but that's like in the past, though, because we just beat the Hawks. You got to update your resume consistently. You know, that's NBA. There's a lot of games. Have mm-hmm. you guys done anything since that, or you're still riding off that
2: win? We haven't. We haven't played a game tonight. Oh, okay.
1: All right, all right, all right. Stop bringing up Play stuff. The that in the past. Stop bringing up something. What?
2: Play Boston. <laughs>
1: Oh, you play Boston? When do you play Boston?
2: Tonight in Boston on ESPN. Check us out. Ooh. The greatest show on the court, the New York wow. Knickerbockers.
1: Anybody out? Okay, Robert Williams is going to be out. You guys are losing that game. They say All right. that, Yeah. So so you just had nothing to say about my Clippers? Not my oh, Clippers, no. though? I've
0: got much to say, Kawhi. but oh, nothing positive. None the Clippers positive. are pretenders. Okay. Let me repeat that. The Los Angeles Clippers are pretenders. Yeah. And it's not because of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> okay. On a current five-game losing streak coming off the All-Star break, I've seen a lot of people pointing at Russ specifically. But the reality is, Russ is not the issue. And he's not even one of the three biggest problems. This team has lost their identity following a end pre-All-Star break that seemed like they're starting to figure things out. BC, we're going to have to start with you. This team has fallen to the playing tournament of the Western Conference. The current AC'd at 33 and 33, winners of just three games in their last 10. Nothing feels to be going right defensively as they are one and four this year without their starting center. And if he gets a few bots, what the hell is going on?
1: Well, you kind of like. You shot yourself in the foot with the statement you made because you said it's not Westbrook. But then you said they, they looked like they were having kind of some success before the all-star break. Yes, they were, John. They were, I believe, off the top of my head, 10 and 4 uh before the all-star break, or before Westbrook joined them. I think they were 10 and 4. Since getting Westbrook, they're all in five. And since I didn't Westbrook, know Westbrook was the only player they brought in. Time out. When when since he's joined. 5 games, 23 turnovers. 23. Westbrook is I, I think I I forget what's he, he's been on he's 0 and 7 in his last 7 games. Westbrook that he's played in going back with the Lakers.
2: Here's an even better stat about Westbrook. His last 15 games as a starter have all been losses.
1: Thank you. That's the stat I was looking for, Justin. Yes. But but again, it's and and, and what's interesting, John, as you say, now you're saying the Clippers are pretenders, Justin. Did he ever hint that the Clippers were pretenders before this, before like a week ago? No, right? All three I, I It's interesting that now he's bringing it up. Why now? Why five games into the Russell Westbrook experiment are you saying now they are pretenders when we didn't hear a peep out of you? When I was saying that they can win the championship, you didn't scoff or anything like that. You didn't say no, that, that, that there's no chance of that happening. But now, five games in, to the Russell Westbrook experiment, the Clippers are pretenders. Well, thanks for pointing out the obvious, Captain Obvious. When you add Russell Westbrook, it demotes them. I said that when they signed him. Yes, it does. How can you make that argument? They're 0-5 with them. He's got 23 turnovers in five games, John. Five games. Last
2: game, last game they played, the Clippers had seven turnovers. He, he totaled for five of them.
0: Yeah, he was also a plus 10 in that game with 27 points.
2: Oh,
1: my God.
2: It well, was efficient from the field. But if you think about it, I mean, he's throwing in the turnovers there. It's a one-point loss. I'm sure some of those turner, tono, turnovers counted to points on the other end. and so far
1: between. The, very, game against Golden, the game against Golden State, three for 12, 0 for 5 from 3. Four turnovers, eight points.
0: Let's talk about Russ specifically. The Clippers this year, second to last in paint scoring. And this team, the problem with the Clippers is not Russell Westbrook. The problem with the Clippers is what it's been the last three and a half years. They don't get easy looks at the rim, and they're a team that relies on tougher shot making offensively. Kawhi Leonard is a killer. We know he's a killer when he's on the floor. Part of the issue is he hasn't played back-to-backs. He's missed almost half of the season. And defensively, Kawhi is not going to put in all that effort he was putting in back seven years ago when he was in his 20s. Defensively, the Clippers stink. Without a few to Zubats, they don't know who they want to be. Is this the team that's going to go small the way they did in their Western Conference Finals run two years ago? Because they can't. They simply do not have the personnel. At the point of attack, their only good defender is Terrence Mann. And what I disagree with is Tyronn Lue benching Mann in favor of Westbrook. Because let's be honest. Russell Westbrook is a great backup point guard. He should not be starting. And Tyron Lue starting him is a little bit ridiculous. But they need that skill set. They need his playmaking. They need his pace. They need his scoring at the rim. Now, you get what you paid for Russ, right? There are times, as we saw in that Warriors game, and versus the Kings, where if you play him in the fourth quarter, yeah, you're playing four on five offensively. But what he brings throughout a game, and the injection of energy and scoring, it's something this team desperately needed. Beggars can't be choosers here. The Clipper's starting point guard would have been Bones Highland if you're not going to go with Terrence Mann and Paul George playing those duties. And Bones is an even worse option currently. Russell Westbrook's issue, of course, is floor spacing and decision making, but those really only pop up in the second half, in tighter games, in the playoffs, especially. I feel like playing 15 to 20 minutes a night, he will be a positive for this team. And saying that he is the issue when you brought in Mason Plumlee as well, who is not good, by the way. I could have told you that coming in. Mason Plumlee is trash. Every time he puts the ball on the floor, it's literally a hazard he's going to turn over. He can't defend. I mean, he's got a good connection with Russ. I have to say that those two players did a good job working together. But Mason Plumlee stinks. He should not be starting any game, and he's going to have to if Vita Zubats continues the next time. He wasn't good in Charlotte. He hasn't been good in a couple of years. And I hate watching him play, so maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on him. Eric Gordon at 34 just does not look like the same type of player he was a couple of years ago, and we're now starting to see that in a much more
1: competitive setting. So, but like, I mean, mm-hmm. first off, Mason Plumley just a game ago put up 12 and 20. Hmm. There's not a lot of centers out there that can go get you 20 rebounds in a game.
0: Yeah, a lot can.
1: I feel like you're just tossing 20 rebounds away like it, it means nothing, but I, I guess. Um, but listen, Mason Plumlee is not going to be a major issue. Mason Plumlee was brought in to be the backup center for when, for Zubat. If Zubat got into foul trouble or if he did miss time and now he can step in. So I'm not worried about that. If Zubat misses times in the playoffs, okay, you can worry about it, but right now, nothing to worry about. Um, You bring up you bring up Eric Gordon, yes, okay. I didn't agree with that move either. He he's not he's not what he once was, and even when he was what he was, he was very streaky. He had those big explosion games, but for the most part, he was missing a lot of his shots. He was a very volume shooter, streaky, hot and cold, very hot and cold. I like like I don't think we're 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 pretty much disagreeing a lot on on, on these points, John. I feel like our our disagreement is that Westbrook is is an ingredient that you can't add to this already. We we know what the Clippers' problems have been. Like, we know that. We know that they play a lot of iso ball and they take the tough shots like you referred to. We know that um, they don't have the chemistry and the uh, cohesiveness and the continuity because they don't play together. Paul George is uh, missing time. Kawhi obviously coming off a torn ACL. Uh, you know, you got all the other guys. Zubat is missing time. Now, Marcus Moore seniors missed time. We know that. So, but when you, when you, they're coming off 10 and four, what, Kawhi has played basically since, um, I think January, he played basically all of January. He's played all of February. He's starting to play the, these games. Now he's not playing back-to-backs, which is just a smart basketball business decision to do. Don't play back-to-backs. It's not smart. Um, so they're getting the continuity. I think the 10 and 4 record, I, I think I'm right before the all-star break, uh, was showing something. They were they were winning games, they were starting to get them things together. And and I said, go get Fred Van Vliet, but if you can't, which is you know taking a shot, go get a Mike Conley then settle for a Mike Conley. That's fine because Mike Conley is much better than Russell Westbrook. Like Mike Conley isn't a you know, Fred Van Vliet, but at least he's a veteran point guard who's not going to turn the ball over at an insane rate. He can make three-pointers. Westbrook can't even – I mean, come on now. We all saw Draymond it, literally
2: – I was going to mention that. That was so embarrassing. I it honestly embarrassing, felt bad dude. for us. That was embarrassing. It, 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 and it, right. you're taught to take the open shot. The, the guy picked up his dribble. Yeah, but you uh, can, it, 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 for
1: Westbrook, you can't you, you can't shoot those because you're not a good 3 But He's shooting 29% from three. Like I've said, it's it's just a terrible fit, and you can't add that situation, the Russell Westbrook situation, to an already messy situation that's just starting to kind of get its legs under them. They're starting to crawl. You got to crawl before you walk, and that's what the Clippers were doing, and that's that's good. They had a month left to get into the playoffs to really start, you know, running. Now you add Westbrook to that situation, and it's just not gonna. It looks even worse now. I agree with you though. I don't like the ISO situation ball. That's why I was begging for a point guard to get in there for them yeah. or another guy who can, can, because if you're going to play ISO ball, you need more than just a, you, you shouldn't need more than just Paul George and Kawhi, but you need another guy who's going to spell for them. And, and Norman Powell is, is streaky. So if you're going to have that streaky guy, you Fred Van Vliet. If you got the space for, and you can get it, go get it. Mm-hmm. But they needed a, they needed that veteran point guard presence is what I'm saying to really calm everything down, get mm-hmm. everybody into their sets, call the plays, and run a, a, a more – like I always love watching the Warriors or the Spurs of 10 years ago play. I love that style of basketball, the movement, the off-ball movement, the screens, every the ball movement. It, it's beautiful basketball to watch. I think anybody who enjoys the game of basketball can love that style of play. Uh, and we don't see that. We're, all, we're obviously not going to see that with the Clippers, even though Kawhi does come from that tree. He he is more of a ISO ball, But, yeah, so the, the I don't know where we're differing, John. I guess, I mean, they are pretenders at this point. I, I don't see them going anywhere with Russell Westbrook. I think I made that very clear when they signed him. So, yeah.
2: I'm not too remiss on, on just canceling the Clippers, though. For the simple fact that in the playoffs, you're not playing any back to backs. Kawhi is going to be available and yes, him taking yes. the timeout now. you know, Hopefully, they, they get themselves out of the eighth seed and they get themselves a, a shoe in spot for the, pl- the playoffs, maybe a sixth seed at this point. I mean, the West is open for anybody. So I, I, I'm not going to rule out the Clippers just yet. I have too much respect for Kawhi and PG. PG is so self aware and knows his game more than anybody that. You just gotta give him respect, and you could only hope that maybe—I mean, I can't even say he will—but you just could only cross your fingers and say Russ is gonna positively impact this team come April and May.
0: Don't you guys think Kawhi's a pretty big part of the Clippers' problems, though?
1: Don't you feel like they lack? Or what? what? Not playing. Are you saying What are they lacking? A vocal leader. So you're blaming Kawhi for not being the vocal leader? You think that's a par- problem? One of the Clippers' biggest issues is
0: not just that they've regressed defensively; they have a lot of really slow wings that can't guard in space, but they're not a connected team. They don't communicate, and for a team that wants to play smaller in the playoffs with these six foot seven to six nine wings, you need to be connected. And there's just a lack of cohesion here, not just defensively, but in the fourth quarter, we've seen the hierarchy of. Which star is it going to take over? That's been off whack
1: over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but you, you you said that you you asked us is isn't Kawhi would you say Kawhi is a part one of the main problems? Um, so I'm trying to pinpoint what you mean by that. You're, you're ta- so you said vocal leader. Mm-hmm. Is that what you you have a problem with Kawhi not being a vocal enough leader?
0: Also, teammates don't know when Kawhi is going to play too. That's another concern with the
1: organization over the last two years. Justin, did I just ask him a direct question? This man is yeah. a politician with it. Is he not a politician with it? I asked him a direct question, and he answered a completely different question.
2: <laughs> John just, never answers the question. Really. Is your
1: problem with Kawhi Leonard that he is not a vocal enough leader? It's yesterday. Partially. Partially. What? Then what's the other problem with – so so the other problem is he doesn't play enough? All right, so w- – let's get down to it. All right, Doesn't play enough. John, he's coming off a torn ACL. You were the one saying to me when I was going off on Kevin Durant for gassing out. Okay? You were coming at me and saying the body can't handle that. So you can't have it both ways. Now you're blaming Kawhi Leonard who's coming off a torn ACL – John, which one is worse, torn ACL or a little tired? I think we all know the answer to that question. So you can't come and blame Kawhi now for missing time. He, Both of those major injuries he has had were were freak accidents that could happen to anybody. They weren't like, you know, he was just running, non-contact, boom. The Zubak injury and uh, – not Zubak, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Zaza Pachilia. Uh, Whatever his name is, um, and, and the uh, Joe Ingles one, right? Joe Ingles when they bu- bumped right into his uh thigh or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, what? So, like, what do you expect from Kawhi for this season? Like, like he's played, he's played the la- basically all of January. He's played all of February. He played a majority of December. I'm pretty sure. So, what do you? He's just missing court. the back to backs. I don't
0: have a problem with Kawhi missing back to backs with a torn ACL. I have a problem with Kawhi's lack of leadership. When you, you look just, at it, no, don't.
2: some people lead by example, it's not leading <gasps> it always happens to be the loudest guy in the room. John but Justin, John? he's not leading by example. This Clippers team yeah, lacks leader. He's not on the floor they right now, but when he is on the floor, team. does he produce?
0: Yeah, but they're losing games because they're not playing as a team. Who is that I'm following? Tyron Liu. And I'm going to quote Tyron in a call, and second, believe me. The problem with the Clippers is that when Kawhi's won championships, he's had a established leadership structure. And San Antonio, Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, and then veterans like Patty Mills that had been there That's for years. Time. In Toronto, he goes and he has Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet, two guards to almost tailor made to play off of Kawhi. Elite defenders in the guard. A team that was called the Baby Sheer.
1: Dinosaurs and was owned by LeBron for years. years. So LeBron
0: leaves the conference, and that Toronto team keeps the role players, and Lowry and Van Vliet who both develop, and they kind of fit like a glove off of Kawhi. Not and in that, give season, Kawhi
1: any of that credit. When
0: they won fifty-eight games, Kawhi missed forty-two. I think it was twenty-four of them, not forty-two, but he sat out twenty-plus, and they were. I think an 18-1 team to only six losses without him because Pascal Siakam developed. And that team had an identity off of Kawhi, right? They had a high-level coach, Nick Nurse, who had been in the organization the last couple of years. The Raptors had the right leadership structure in place with Kyle Lowry so that they could welcome Kawhi in. When the Clippers acquired Kawhi with Doc Rivers, probably one of the biggest choke artists we've ever seen in the postseason, they didn't have that stable leadership structure that has a high enough ceiling that had a high floor, Lou Will, Amantris Harrell, sure. But in the playoff crucible, that that organization never actually had that foundation firm enough to actually maximize Kawhi Leonard and have the necessary uh, leadership in place to make sure he could lead you as the best player to a championship at LA. So I
2: don't see how any of this is Kawhi's fault.
1: That's what I'm saying. You're, but All you're explaining is stuff. Unless you're just flat out saying, Kawhi Leonard, you need to be a vocal leader, you're, all your all your gripes need to be with the front office or the head coach, not Kawhi. Because we know what Kawhi is. You brought Kawhi in knowing what Kawhi was. He is not a vocal guy. He leads by his play. And to remind you, basically played all of December, all right? Played all of January, balled out in freaking January, 54% from the field, 45% from uh Uh, Three point line, ninety one percent from ninety two percent from the free throw line. Twenty eight points, two steals a game. He played majority of February. It was a more shorter month. He's playing these games now, like so. Your your gripes and problems are are not with Kawhi. I I don't know what your what your like. Paul George should step up more. I don't like Paul George basically saying he can't be a number one guy. I don't like that. It, you like know, You can think that all you want. Don't say it out loud to the public. I don't like that.
2: You know what I do? Very interesting. You know, we we're talking about Kawhi with the back-to-backs and I don't know if it was Paul George talking on JJ Reddick's podcast, but him mentioning how back in his back when he was playing in Indiana, at least in, in that time in the NBA, it was practice hard, go to play your game, practice hard, play your game, practice hard, practice hard, play your game. And then, occasionally he'll have the day off and he said uh he felt that that was more beneficial for his body and now all this load management is making basketball players weaker that's just you well, know if, so if just that, his opinion that's what
1: Paul George believes is what <laughs> you're saying yeah if that's what Paul George believes then I mean he has a full right to say when he plays and not doesn't play too like, if he feels ready enough to play, you can play that. I mean, you can have a problem. Again, why are we airing out dirty laundry? That's a conversation not to be had on a po- podcast for, throughout, to, to, for the world to see. That's a conversation, if you don't like that, for you and your co-star Kawhi Leonard to have a conversation behind closed doors. That's, that's where that conversation needs to be had. Not in front of the public. I don't like that. Because now I'm going to say this. If the Clippers don't get it done, it's not Kawhi's fault, and I'll die on that hill. Paul George, your ass might be out of L.A. I, I, I think Kawhi got sold a bag of BS by Paul George to get him to L.A., and then I think Paul George sold them another bag of BS to get Russell Westbrook to L.A. And this is just ridiculous. I feel bad for Kawhi at this point.
2: Mm. It could have been
1: a Nick. You point. make a valid point. It could have been. He, he was eyeing uh, – uh, well, he wasn't eyeing, but they wanted him, the Lakers, and they had the, the cap space to get him. It could have been LeBron, AD, and Kawhi, but Kawhi didn't want to go with LeBron. He wanted to compete against LeBron, and we never mm-hmm. got to see that matchup. My was- issue with Paul
0: George is that when he was competing with LeBron in 2012, 2013, going to the conference finals toe-to-toe 2014, he was a player that was attacking the rim with maniacal intent, getting downhill before his leg culture. injury. Yeah. And since then, while he's become a better player, a better shot creator, he's less consistent in the playoffs. He's not that number one that we saw years ago when he was just averaging 20 points no. per game because he only gets the rim 23% of his shot attempts. He's a player that, like Jason Tatum, which I have a gripe on, is not going to assert his will, with that physicality. And that tone is something you need off of Kawhi. You know, Paul George did a little bit of more of that in their conference finals run and less of it now. Now, he's turning 32 years old. I understand it. I just don't think this is going to work for the Clippers. As Brandon said a few weeks ago at the Mavericks, hey, look, is the team more likely to get knocked down in the first round or the finals? I feel like that can be applied directly to the Clippers. I really don't see any play effects. Let me repeat that. I do see playoff expectations and that they're going to get bounced in the first round. I do not really see a realistic outcome where they're going to make it to the finals. Well, the theory is, sure, they can. The reality is you have four weeks left in the season, and the timer is counting down quicker and quicker. For Ty Liu to figure out these rotations, he's had a lot of different things to sort out over the year. There aren't many excuses left for Ty, Right. He probably wanted to bring Russell Westbrook, too. It wasn't just P.G., because he saw a need for that skill set, right? And a tie. It took him a while to actually put Robert Covington back into the rotation. Roko might be their best 3 and D win in the team, so it didn't make much sense. He comes right back into the lineup. What do you know? He has 16 points, makes three three three-pointers, and is making a difference in their most recent loss by one point. It's not that they're not capable. It's that the Clippers have not figured this out. Three or four years—that is so concerning. Next year will be the halfway—the halfway mark of a decade for this era of Kawhi and PG, and they're literally going to have one playoff run to show for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, that's why I say yep. Paul George might be on his way out if they don't get it done. I and disagree. You know what?
0: That's why I say stars are a little bit overrated. Superstars are a little bit overrated today. The New York Knicks are on a current eight-game winning streak with two stars playing at a superstar level: Jay Wright and Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. I thought Brunson would be good coming to this year. I didn't think he'd be all NBA good. And Julius Randle, Justin, versus the Heat two nights ago, hit a game winner to cap a forty-three-point performance that we haven't seen since early last year. I want to get your takeaway at this Knicks team, Red. It's been an amazing year for those two stars, but. How can Randall actually build off of this and keep this level play up in the postseason where currently you guys are – this is a really interesting matchup because of Tom Thibodeau's defensive preferences and the team at hand. You're currently on track to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. Bring them on. First off, first
1: Uh, off, Justin. Lucky-ass shot. Go
2: ahead. Say what you want, bro. No, so no, it's not
1: what I want. It's a fact. And you you don't you can't disagree with that. You know it was lucky. He wouldn't have made that shot again if even if he wanted to.
2: Get out of here. Go on refs were out of all game. First off. you guys were lucky enough to even make that comeback, refs were giving you a lot of calls. But anyway, you want to talk about blowing uh, calls?
1: What about Tyler Hero stepping out of bounds? He ain't stepped out. He ain't stepped out. You
2: you should not even be complaining about calls because of half of the things that went your way in that game. But John, on on your, your point, back. uh Julius Randle is a better player today than he was in 2021. And that's saying a lot because he had an all-pro season that year. I think going into the postseason, him not really having to to shoulder the load or feel that pressure of being the guy, because you have a guy like Jalen Brunson, and while RJ still gets crap from people, he's a better player than what he was in 2021 also. IQ is probably, in, in my opinion, the sixth man of the year this year. Uh, I know a lot of people want to argue about Malcolm Brogdon, but the only award he's getting is the most missed man of the year. But I'm telling you, guys like IQ, IQ, OB, uh, heart and time playing inspired battle, us getting Mitch Robinson back in the fold, I think we're way better than what we were in 2021. So what we need out of Randall come the postseason, no, we don't need 40 – point games but it would it be nice absolutely if he can do it as efficiently as he did against Miami but that, that's one big night when this team is playing together and that's what makes this Knicks team I feel going up against a Cleveland going up against a potential Philadelphia team if we if we get lucky enough to get to the second round of the playoffs is we have depth that can compete in this eight game win streak it hasn't always just been stars showing out no it's guys like IQ stepping up to the plate it's it's the depth on this team that is making us so special, that has made us so dangerous. And we have the 2nd win streak in the NBA behind Milwaukee right now, and that is not by an accident. I think this team is so different from 2021 because they're not just playing with Tom Thibodeau as their head coach. They're playing for him now, and I I think you can really see that. Just that little highlight of Jalen Brunson walking to the bench and said something to Tom Thibodeau, and you see them smile, fist bump. Things are feeling good. Julius Randle said it. They love each other. And I'm not trying to, you know, make it seem like it's all sunshine and rainbows. But, yeah, the, the team loves each other and playing in spot because they're, they're with each other. And I think it's very evident when you watch them on the court. Each day now, it's so weird to say this as a Knicks fan, but every single game that I watch, I believe we have a chance to win. We're a way better team than what people actually think.
0: Currently, the... Best winning streak in the NBA because the Bucs last night took an L.
2: Oh, Bucks took an L. Knicks gotta keep oh. it up. We got a big, big matchup in Boston tonight. We got to keep this train rolling. Listen, I I am sure we're not gonna the streak is gonna end at some point. But as, as long as we can play good basketball, I'm telling you guys, I every the Knicks are laughing stock of the league, and rightfully so, for very long. Anybody saying that they're just going to get ousted in the first round the way that they did against Atlanta two years ago, uh, there will be a much more of a fight out of this group than that last. I can assure you of that.
1: Listen, uh, I'll just say what I told you, all right? The sun shined on you that night, and that's fine. It's, it shines on everybody every certain night, and it just happened to be your guys' night, which is fine. Right. But pride cometh before the fall, Justin. I'll leave it at that.
2: You know, Man, one, that one was my really biggest. Huh? What happened, John?
0: That loss really took a toll on you, Brandon. huh? Because they've got seven other nights where the sun shined on them pretty brightly. Didn't take a toll. I don't know. Those little games add up by the playoffs or by the playoffs. And if my memory serves, the Knicks are a higher seed right now than the Heat. And it doesn't seem like the Heat are trending upwards. while the, the Knicks, they keep getting better and better with the younger and younger team with let's be honest, no bad contracts on either that are inhibiting their current salary structure, too.
1: Or oh, you mean a contract that you you liked when when they signed it?
0: Pat Riley still doing the Knicks favors twenty years later.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Switch up is real. <laughs> You know, my biggest concern about the Knicks going into the postseason is our second half struggles. We can't have a 17-point lead and and blow it the way that we, we have. I feel like with all the games that we've we've blown this year, double digits, if you wipe away maybe four or five of them, we, we're the three seed.
1: All right, you know, you know, so. what? you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the with the with the hype up. bro. Okay, c- congratulations. Give you a little like round That's of not, not true. A fortune cookie. You, you want a fortune cookie? You guys have done really well this year, right? Really well. But let's not let's not blow this out of proportion. Okay. You guys at best might get out of the first round. Might. All right. You're hoping that Philly doesn't drop a couple games and they're the fourth seed. Because then you're definitely getting bounced in the first round. All right, you're hoping that Cleveland stays in that four seed, so you can have Cleveland, because I think you guys can make that a tough series. I think it goes seven. I think Cleveland wins. But I think it goes seven. So let's just not like like stop it. All right, there's real. You guys are. What did I say that was right? so bad? No, nah, because just, you just kept going to continue. And I thought about the the tweets and the texts you sent me, and I just kind of got sick and tired of it. Sick, goddamn sick and tired of it. Because like, listen, I'm not gonna be here Miami heat fan and blow smoke up my own team's ass. I have stated many of times in the past that if we don't make a move for a Donovan Mitchell, we are stuck and we are going to get left in the past. So I Mm -hmm. have eyeballs and I can see in the future of what my team possibly could be and how it could be bad. I understand that, Mm -hmm. but you Knicks fans, man, you're sick. I'm sick. I'm sick of it. You guys have no future either. There's no star or superstar in the horizon for you guys coming up. What are you Not... even watching?
0: In the year of 2023, Jalen, Jalen Brunson is the Jalen three Brunson. best guards in the sport.
1: Jalen Brunson is a number one on a championship team.
0: Last year, he was number two. I'm asking he went to the conference finals, and he's you, gotten I'm, a lot I'm, better I'm, since
1: then. Oh, I'm asking you a question. Is Jalen Brunson a number one on a championship team? I'm genuinely curious. I want an answer from both of you guys. Is he number one? Comparing him to a Giannis, a Jason Tatum, an Embiid, who hasn't even gotten to one. Jokic, who hasn't even gotten to one. Steph, Kawhi, LeBron. You want me to keep going? Is Jalen Brunson is, is that type of dude, is what you're saying to me.
0: Look where the Knicks stand in the seedings.
1: I'm asking you a direct question. I'm asking you and Justin. I know Mr. Politician over here won't give me direct answer because he knows the answer. Let's see if the Knicks fan is objective enough. What's the answer to that question? Is Jalen Brunson a number one on a championship team, Justin?
2: I, I don't believe we're a championship team. So I'm, I'm not – no, he's not. I, I still believe we're probably another star away. No, I'm not going to say he, he can be the number so one. Then, I, so honestly, then I ask you this. Shit, you know what? Let me take that back. He can be. Why not?
0: He's been a superstar over the last month. Listen to this, Brent. Over Jalen Brunson's last 14 games, great he's numbers. shooting
1: 55%. Great numbers.
0: Gained to the foul line eight times a night, and there great is not numbers. a more dynamic guard in the putting Eastern Conference group, currently.
1: Putting up a gr- great numbers. not denying that. Never came out of my mouth. I'm. I'm we're splitting hairs. This is what we're doing. This is what we do. Okay, we split hairs when we talk about elite. If you want that in your name in the in the in the name with the other elite players, this is what we do. We split hairs. Okay. Yeah. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm being very kind. He is doing great things right now. He's having a great season. As I mean, it, it, it's arguable. Let, let's just be honest. It's arguable right now. There are probably Knicks fans out there that believe, um, there are Knicks fans out there that probably believe that Julius Randle is the best player on the Knicks. There are. So he, he's still battling to see if he's the best player on his own team. And the question I was going to ask was to follow up, because Justin said he, he can be, uh, you know, screw it. He can be a number one on championship team. You need another star. Are you bringing in a guy who's not as good as Jalen Brunson? Are you looking to bring in a guy who's better than Jalen Brunson? You're looking to bring in a guy who's better than Jalen Brunson. And that's what I've been saying is that, are there any of those guys out there in the horizon coming to you no so when we're splitting hairs and we're saying I'm, I'm literally asking you a direct question is you're saying Jalen Brunson can be a number one on championship team so you believe that Jalen Brunson can be up there in the names of a Giannis a Jason Tatum who hasn't won one yet an Embiid who hasn't gotten there Jokic who hasn't gotten there LeBron Steph Kawhi all these guys that's what you're saying to me
0: no, I don't believe that Jalen Brunson can be on the level of a Giannis Ndokounmpo because nobody fucking hits. That's
1: not what I said. Don't take words Jalen Brunson doesn't need to be. For his name to, to be a number one on a championship team, your name has to be up there with those guys. Not you know, the same gonna... impact, not the same level, but you have to be up there. Your name has to be up there with those guys.
0: I think part of your lack of respect for the Knicks stems from your big picture thinking, where you don't acknowledge... Basketball is about taking steps forward. Not everybody can be the Miami Heat, where you go from missing the playoffs to the finals in a matter of a year, signing Jimmy Butler. Jalen Brunson has been nothing more than a super. He's been nothing less than a superstar over the last couple of months, and nobody expected that. The Mavericks didn't know his worth a year ago. He was getting a fifty-five million dollar extension over four years, barely more than the mid-level exception. And today, I mean, he has been getting better and better. And he's 26 years old. So for the Knicks, that's true. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, they're going to take you only so far, right? In a conference that has Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, better teams, right? The Knicks can't beat the Bucs. And they're probably not in a playoff series going to beat the Celtics, right? But with how well Brunson is playing, when he already beat Donovan Mitchell last year in two playoff games out of three, He is the best player in this Knicks team. He's shown he can perform in the playoffs at an elite level. And what's so special is that he's just now getting the opportunity. A lot of Knicks fans a year ago, not even a year ago, six months ago, were disappointed that they signed him. Jalen Brunson was a consolation prize, Brendan Julius Rundle was also a consolation prize three years ago. Listen to this. The Knicks starting lineup on March 4th, 2019, was maybe the worst you will ever see. And there were some pretty bad ones. So we had Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. at point guard, Damian Dotson at the two, Kevin Knox and Noah Vonley at the forward spots, Luke Cornett at center to go alongside Alonzo Trier, Emmanuel Moutier, a rookie Mitchell Robinson, Henry Ellingson, and Lance Thomas off the bench.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I've first off, I actually liked Alonzo Trier a little bit. Uh, he had a a good stretch there where he, he played pretty well um, but i get your point they have come far i never i've i've i, I didn't argue that i've i've said multiple times on the show that i like the base that they're building they're building a good base but what i've also said yes my big picture is i'm always looking into the future cuz that's what these the, the executives have to do this is a business we're trying to succeed for the future so i have to look at my assets now and analyze them what they can be in the future and what other assets I can bring into the future. So I have to be aware of everything around me. So sorry if I'm big picturing you, but it's, it's very important to do this. All right. And what I'm doing is there's nobody on the horizon for the Knicks. So you have this, what I'm saying is you have this good fundamental base. You have it, you're doing good. You're starting to walk, right? You're starting to speed walk a little bit. You're doing good. You're taking good steps up, up, up but now you want to take that leap. Now you want to start running. Now you want to start jumping. You want to start climbing, flying. Where is that person that's going to take you there? And that's why I asked you is Jalen Brunson, that guy. And so, yes, his name has to be put into that conversation with those guys. I named, if he wants to be a number one on the championship team, because that's just what it is. That's the facts of sports. That's what we have to live with. So I don't make the rules. All right. I just follow them as they are. So I, I asked you that to be legit curious. And I think we all understand. I don't think that he can be a number one on a championship team. Just I don't know if you're, you said, you know, screw it. He can be a number one on a championship team. And what I was going to ask you is, well, you said they need to bring in another star. I'll ask you, do you think that star they bring in is going to be better or worse than Jalen Brunson? You would want it to be better. Wouldn't you?
2: It. You think it's a a matter of fit? It's a matter of can can they complement each other? So, huh? All
1: right, so so let's ask this because John called him a superstar, which is just you're throwing you're throwing superstar around. Please don't stop throwing superstar around like that. Okay, he's done. We can compliment him and give him his respect, but can we stop throwing around superstar like that? It's kind of like the goat uh, uh, elite and all that. Let's stop throwing superstar around. You could say he's played very great. Very well. All these other words you could use. You don't have to use superstar. Those you want to know what's super-
0: been, Brandon, for me? Go ahead. It's been the steady progression from good to pretty good to really good to special. And now he's ascended to a level of the best guard in the Eastern Conference. He's outplayed Trey Young. He's been better on both sides of the floor. He's been better than Tyrese Halliburton. All of these players we've worked at as better players, Jalen Brunson outperformed in a less than ideal circumstance. Uh-huh. Let's not forget what R.J. Barrett's doing right now.
1: I, I, um, good stuff. I, I mean, I'm not going to. I mean, first off, the Eastern Conference point guards are pretty weak. I think we can all admit that. Um, the, the, the talent is mostly in the West.
2: You, you, know, you know what's my biggest thing with uh, my baby? Uh, one of the biggest things oh. with Jalen Brunson and, and the Knicks in general, I'm not going to jump the gun and, and like John says, call, call him a superstar because this is one year where he's really a, a leader on, on, on this team. We've had guys like Amari Stoudemire come in, like the world on fire in his first year, and that was it. We didn't see that same impact. Julius Randle, after his first, um, first year with the Knicks, did not look too great. After his all-pro season, it went downhill, and people wanted us, us to trade him, some of you guys included. So I, I'm not getting my hopes up. I would like to see this be sustainable. Jalen Brunson is absolutely killing it this year. I want to see it next year as well because I've seen on, on in Nick's conversation is best signing since whom? And people were comparing it to uh CC Sabathia and the Yankees in 09. doesn't match up yet until we win a ring until we, like I said, until we find that other person to compliment our team that can maybe take RJ's spot because RJ has proven to be a little bit lazy on defense. Sometimes, uh, like he's a little spotty when it comes to shooting, inconsistencies. So once we find a guy that can fill that spot, I really believe that that would really make a run, especially with the Eastern Conference being as vulnerable as it That's is. That's open. Yeah. I, I could see just, it. Just, in a I year. just
1: wanted, to, I wanted, to, I want to comment before I lose my train of thought. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with, um leave you with this. You said like you know you've seen it this year and you want to see it next year too. I think we all we all gotta remember this is the regular season. We're we're about to end the regular season. We have to see it in the playoffs again. I know he performed last year, but that was as a number two. Now you're the guy. You're the number really, two.
0: I didn't know that Luke could played in the first three games in that Utah series where he dropped forty one and then thirty one points versus Rudy Gobert, who should have been the regular season defensive player of the year. Huh? I didn't know that.
1: Rudy Gobert is a pretty good player now. Um, okay. I think you understand. Right. I think you. I think you. I think you – literally, yes. I I don't think you're understanding what I mean figuratively. Like, he is now the number one guy. Like, the Mavericks team, yes, literally on the court, he was the guy for those games because Luca wasn't there. But it was Luca's team. Now the Knicks are, like we're saying, are his team now. So Mm -hmm. he's got to prove it in the playoffs now in the Eastern Conference on the New York Knicks with this team, which is now looked at as his team, which is not like – the Maverick series, where okay, it's your team for these couple of games, but then once Luca comes back, you know you're you're going back to Robin. You're number two, okay? Um, that that's a l- whole difference, like an one. I still number feel like this is Julius's team. Like, that's what I'm saying, and I think it's you were going when I said that. Where I said I think some Knicks fans do believe that Julius is the best player on the Knicks, and John looked at me like I said I, I'm, I'm being se- I, so. Right. It's not even like he's the number one on his own team yet. It, no, I think it's, they it's say not Julius. really Randall's team. Yeah, I, I honestly, mean, this, yeah, this sorry, is because you.
0: he's been there longer. He's been this there longer than them. Listen to the stat right here. This season, the Knicks 117 offensive rating ranks fourth in the NBA. Throughout the entire Knicks franchise, however long they've been in existence, I don't know the number. That is the best offensive rating they have ever posted. And it's not a fluke because they've gotten better and better as this year has gone on, as the lineup has matured, Jalen Brunson calling him a superstar. Yeah, it's soon and it's early, but it's the progression. It's the playoff performances. It's the difference that he makes. It's watching the game and seeing you can't guard this guy. He's a high-level pull-up shooter bordering on elite that has probably the sickest, I mean, the sickest rejection of a ball screen outside Donovan Mitchell in the league. I mean, his first step is elites. His finishing is really good for a six-foot guard. He's got a post game. His handle is, his bag is deep. You can't guard him. And he's just 26 years old. So it's not Julius Randle's team. It can't be your team. If fans won you out a year ago and two of your four seasons have been bad, but two of, four, two of your four seasons have been great, the lack of consistency there makes it not your team. When the new guy comes in the down, he takes your offense from terrible, absolute trash, to elite just by him coming in alone. That's not, now, let's be honest. We can acknowledge this. Their ability to grab offensive rebounds does help with their efficiency, right? That helps with their points per game, but that doesn't necessarily equate to offensive rating as much because offensive rating is more of a possession-by-possession possession approach. How many points do you score per 100? So the points per game is affected a little bit more by their heavy offensive rebounding. Now, let's be honest, by playing a center at all times, whether it's Jericho Sims, Hortenstein, Mitchell Robinson, that eats away at their spacing. It clogs the lanes. And Julius Randle's not making shots. If he's posting up and whatnot, that makes it harder for Jalen Brunson to thrive on drafts. So, look, it's not premature. Jalen Brunson's emerging into a superstar. And I think he's going to show people more and more that this is not a fluke. Open your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. That
1: That's, that's the whole thing, though, John. I think, uh, listen... Again, I'm giving the praise for this season. Now I need to see – you know how much I value the playoffs in football and in basketball. I value it very much. I value it much more highly than the regular season. So I will be watching. It looks like they will possibly be getting Cleveland. You're speaking this much about Jalen Brunson? They better beat Cleveland then. If they beat Cleveland, he can be on track to that status that you want to talk about. Right now, I think he's – a star but he's really got to solidify it in the playoffs for me superstar is a different level like if he goes to the freaking conference finals or the the nba finals okay maybe we could we could start having that conversation but i don't see that happening uh, that would be a miracle i think justin even could admit that uh but yeah like i said knicks are doing right, they got a good fundamental base but big picture i'm wise, not looking
2: uh brown yeah
1: yeah it's it's it. it you want to look at a big picture sometimes and look at your future, even a couple years down the line. Got to look at the surroundings of what superstars are out there. They're not many. so.
0: You know what? The Knicks well, might you know, I right feel like, like
2: where we're at right now – Sorry. Did you just – I had did a point, but I can that, make it John? out here.
0: <laughs> you want to know why I think the Knicks can actually make it to the conference finals like the Hawks in 2021? So if the Knicks can beat the Cavaliers in the first round, which, by the way, I don't expect. I think Cleveland wins that in six or seven games, but it would be very competitive and a lot of fun. But let's say for the sake of argument, the Knicks win that series. That would mean, as the lowest of the top four teams left in the bracket, the Celtics and the 76ers would then play. I'll be honest, the Bucks versus the Knicks, while they'd be heavy underdogs, and I mean heavy underdogs, if Chris Middleton's going to miss time, and that's the key electric for the Bucs team, if he is out and they're lacking that perimeter play, it wouldn't be crazy the Knicks can make that legitimate series. Now, again, I think they're a heavy underdog, reasonably so, but we saw that Bucks offense last year, they need Middleton, right? And he's going to play such a big role for them offensively. Yeah. That injury can swing a series.
1: Yeah, that I was feel like- the, not, not a team like the Knicks. I'm sorry. No disrespect to the Knicks, but that was not – the Knicks are a different team. With Giannis, they don't need Middleton to beat uh, the, the Knicks. They got Giannis. Uh, we all understand Drew Holiday. We respect his defensive level. We saw what he did to a Jalen Brown, Jay, uh, Jason Tatum. He can do the same thing to a Jalen Brunson. All right. I, I, I think it would be fine. I think maybe the Knicks can get yeah, him to you, six you know games without Middleton. But
2: it'd be- Go ahead. The the team that scares me the most, honestly, that I run into, and, and this will to toot Brandon's horn is honestly Miami. I, I don't want to play Miami in a in a first round whatsoever. For this simple fact, it would be a dogfight between both teams. Out of that series, is going to be completely gassed. The defense that, of Eric Spolstra and those it, it's it's tough. So any team that's I, running I, into I Miami see. is going to have a hard time. Yeah, I what? said
1: that. I said that to um, a Knicks fan that yeah. I was uh, with last night, watching uh, uh, the fights with. I said, "Listen, you know," I said the same thing to you uh, that I said to you guys about the Knicks. And I said, "You know, it was a good game. You guys won, lucky shot." He agreed. And, but I said, if we ever if we met in the playoffs this year, uh, Miami would be would would beat the Knicks. It'd probably be a seven game series, but the 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 Heat would would beat the Knicks. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to match up because of the seating right now, uh, but. If, if some miracle happened, whatever, we, we match up, the Heat would beat the Knicks. And that's no just I mean, we, we play each other, what, two more times this month?
0: Mm-hmm. The Knicks are already 2-0 and against them. We'll see. They're 3-0 versus the Hawks in 2021. To share how much that matters. We beat so yeah, I have so the I had yeah. the idea before the No,
2: But, you know, we we have a very good record against the Eastern Conference right now. So let's – well, we have reason for optimism. I'm looking forward for playoff basketball. Very curious.
0: Curiosity is a funny case. So the Milwaukee Bucks' 16-game winning streak ended yesterday with a loss to the Philadelphia 76 Sixers. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like if there's any team in the East that can actually dethrone Milwaukee, assuming Chris Milton's on the floor, it's Philadelphia. I think that is by far the worst matchup for the Bucs that we have not yet seen in the Giannis and Embiid era. Not even one time. You've seen the Celtics three times. We've seen the Heat two or three times. And we've never gotten to see those two MVP players go head-to-head. Last night, Embiid, Brian, you're saying it before we started recording, 10 assists versus the Bucks. Grayson Allen had a 20-point third quarter, but even still, that wasn't enough to hold off the 76ers at the end of the game where, Harden made big plays, huge shots, and the pick and roll really can control the flow of the game in the half court in pick and roll. But then Embiid is just going to put Biggs in foul trouble. And for that Bucks defense, their one weakness, I would say, would be defending Embiid. And I look at that matchup, and it's probably not going to happen <laughs> unless the 76ers miraculously beat Boston. But I think to myself, you know, it may sound crazy, I think the 76ers are more likely to beat the Bucks than the Celtics are in a seven-game series. Uh,
1: no, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, the two top teams are Milwaukee and Boston. Philly is a, a far third. Uh, I've made my statements pretty clear on why I believe that. James Harden's been a notorious choke artist in the playoffs. I don't have to go over the list of games that he has blown. Uh, Embiid, health-wise, has always been injured in the playoffs, even – sometimes dealing with multiple injuries in the playoffs uh, last last night's game. I mean, listen, there was not much defense played. I mean, the, the, the Bucks had four guys who had 20 or more points and Grayson Allen had 20 points. I mean, yeah. uh, and the, and the, 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 uh, the Sixers had three guys who had 26 or more points. Uh, and then Yang had 16. He had to grow five for six from three. That's freaking pretty damn good. Uh, Tobias Harris got injured in that game but they never used Tobias Harris the right way anyway they just tell him to go sit in the corner and they mm-hmm. it, it's like you got a 20 point per game score right there on your team and you don't use him you just let it, it, it it's that just goes into the NBA and how they how the teams are run mostly now where it's just you know guy takes the ball up the court everybody standing in the corner pick and rope is just terrible I hate it. Um, and, and then Chris Middleton didn't have a good game, 2 free. 8 I don't expect that in the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah.
0: But don't you think the playoffs, I understand your scenario that Embiid gets hurt, is about matchups more than almost anything. Like in the 1980s, I may mess this up entirely, the Celtics would own the 76ers, Julius Irving. But they struggled against the Milwaukee Bucks and Sidney Moncrief and Terry Cummings, a defense that was great. You know, well the Sixers may have been better than the Bucks back then. The Bucks played the Celtics in that dynasty much better, and they could beat them in the playoffs. That's where I come from with this Milwaukee team. I had this idea, and it's not an idea, it's kind of just a realization. The Bucks are the best team in the NBA by far, and we know they're the best team, right? In the playoffs, it's so much about physicality. And with Giannis last year, he struggled in that Celtics series at the rim. He really struggled late down the stretch, carrying that team, rolling them the seven games. But I just feel like Middleton, being on the floor alone, that type of attention he draws coinciding with Joe Ingles, who's been shooting better, and Jay Crowder playing on both ends. This Bucks defense is by far the best in the league. They have the best rim protection. They have one of the very best point-of-attack defenders. But they're also one of the most physical teams that offensively, you add in angles, you integrate Middleton back into the fold. I'm sorry, that Celtics offense, I don't trust Tatum and his consistency, given how low his floor is relative to Giannis and Brooke Lopez at the rim. So I'm just looking at his Milwaukee team. That's my only concern with them. If they face up against Philadelphia, how would they look? Because I'll be honest with you guys, I don't think Tatum can beat them if they're fully healthy. Like, that's the big X factor, is Middleton going to be 70% of the player or 90 in 2021? Because back then, Middleton was inconsistent in that playoff run. But this Bucks team is so much better in the one that won a championship two, two-, three- two-, three- two-, three- two- three- yeah. It's kind of crazy because one of those starters and Don DiVincenzo is thriving in Golden State, and still, it feels like they don't even miss him. Yeah. Sucks.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this. Listen, uh, in that Jason Tatum point, there is – I've always found Jason Tatum very interesting – of a player and how he's going to be looked at. I do find a very much similarity to a Paul Pierce mm-hmm. him and Paul Pierce. Uh, and that's why I think Jalen Brown is so important to that boss, the Boston Celtics, because yes, you got Jason Tatum. And I think a majority of people have Tatum over Brown. Uh, some people, including myself are very, very high on Jalen Brown. And we, and I believe that he can be a number one guy in a championship team. As long as they got Jalen and Jason, they're gonna be fine because those guys are just yeah. insanely talented right now. Sure. So, I, I just I can't. If it's just Jason and Jalen, let's say Jalen's having a bad game, they're in trouble. But, Justin, what was that? Are you freaking dodging something out here?
2: I, I sneezed. I had to, oh. <laughs> I, thought I, thought you I tried me. to mute myself. What? But... <laughs> Not, But uh, to add on to add onto that, I remember when we first started our podcast, it was immediately after the NBA finals and we spoke about the Boston Celtics uh, and, and we mentioned how, uh, you know, this is a team that we expect big things from for years to come as long as they keep that duo together. I, I think, you know, John, you said you can see Philadelphia being the team to knock off Milwaukee more than you see Boston. Honestly, I, I don't. I think that is way too talented. I think Boston is a well-coached team. Um, they're good on all phases of the floor. So I, especially if Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown are hot at the same time, on the on the same night, I think Milwaukee would have their hands full with Boston. I think Boston is really – they have a lot to prove, man, that with that young core, you know, the window for a championship only lasts so long. You know, before we know it, maybe Jalen Brown wants his own team, and maybe they end up breaking up that duo because he wants to – that guy, he wants to be Batman. Mm-hmm. So they need to seize the opportunity immediately. So I I could see this Boston team actually making a run. I could see them knocking off Milwaukee. I think at their peak of course, if Chris Middleton isn't healthy, I think Boston can knock off Milwaukee.
1: Yeah. I'm still sticking Boston as the number one team in these, but we'll, we'll talk about, we'll rank the Eastern conference on the next episode.
0: We're going to talk deeper into this on a full bat. You're right. hundred (laughs) percent. So,
1: Switching gears,
0: NFL. So? We will now be transitioning to our NFL offseason preview. So, we're all for football fans, I'm pretty excited to start. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to begin with the AFC West. Our two teams there are the Chargers and the Chiefs. Let's get oh, the, the Champs oh, yeah. out of Char- the Char- way. Which one, Justin? Tiebreaker champs or start
2: with the Champs?
0: Champ is Champ- here. Yeah. So, the Kansas City Chiefs this last year were doubted. Most people thought they would take a step back, losing their best corner and their best wide receiver. And uh, that didn't matter. They won the Super Bowl. The Chiefs this year, 14-1 team? I'm trying to double-check. Doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes is far and away the best quarterback in the world. And so the Chiefs move into this offseason as the reigning AAC West champs of the fifth straight year as kind of the cool candle block, everybody wants to be them, right? So they have, nine first, they have nine picks, 31, 63, 95. They have two picks from the Dolphins in the fourth and sixth rounds. But the one concern here is that both of their tackles are free agents. Three of their five top receivers are free agents. And effective cap space, they have about negative 8 million. BC, let's kick it off with you. It seems like Andy Reid is staying. doesn't seem like there's any inclination he's retiring off the Super Bowl, It would be super badass if he did. What do you think is the priority this offseason for the Chiefs to maintain the top of the NFL? <sighs>
1: it's going to be interesting. So obviously, a big major thing is Eric Bieniemy is not the offensive coordinator anymore. Uh, but Matt Nagy, the former OC of the Chiefs, is now the the OC again of the Chiefs. Uh, uh, once again, sorry for being redundant. Um, but we all know it's it's Andy Reid's system. It doesn't. I mean, they're going to have some – Nagy and had a little bit of influence, but it was really Andy's scheme. Uh, Chad Henney, you know, the backup quarterback that everybody fell in love with late in his career, retired. What a great career. What a great career, right? What a great career. Don't be disrespectful, John. Come on.
0: I'm not joking. He's actually (laughs) on my favorite backups. Uh,
1: So, like you said, both of the tackles are free agents. (laughs) We got a lot of free agents here. I'm looking at Jarek McKinnon is a free agent, McCole Hardman, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Orlando Brown, like you said,
0: Derek Nadi, Juan Thornhill,
1: yeah, Andrew Wiley.
0: Different. Orlando Brown's the biggest one.
1: He is the biggest one. So you said that they only have negative eight million. They have they have negative money.
0: Well, an effective cap space per spot rack. The I don't research. think
1: you think that. Uh, I don't know if they get away with franchise tag tagging Orlando Brown. I think he might walk. I have a feeling they get Juju back. I think Juju might take a pay cut for them to come back. Cause I think he actually enjoys being with Patrick Mahomes uh, and especially not having that much pressure on him. So I do think they retain G- uh, JJ. I think uh, Juju, sorry. Uh, I think the draft is going to be very important though. So like you said, they have their first, they have the second. Uh, they, tr- they, they did have a, a, two thirds, but they traded one of them. So they have one third and two fourths. One of them is from Miami. So using those picks very well is going to be interesting. I mean, we just saw that they, they were able to steal a a guy in Isaiah Pacheco late in the draft last year. So Andy knows he he's got his schemes on what type of players he likes. So I'm not, uh, again, I'm not going to be too worried about the Kansas city chiefs. I think they're going to be able to figure it out. And I think regardless, they're going to be either the, the uh, number one team in the AFC West or the, the, the number two in terms of, uh, uh, record, but uh, uh, no, no concerns with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not concerned.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's too much to worry about. Even going into the season, we all had them. Even though the, a lot of people were concerned about the the loss of Tyree Kill and how it was going to affect the offense, Patrick Mahomes cleared any any doubts in Week One. So I, I really just feel like this team, no matter what, as long as you have 15 under center, you still have Kelsey there on the offense. They're going to be okay. And with the rookies that they had, they had a ton of rookies playing in that Super Bowl, and a lot of them stepped up. They've done a great job through the draft. They had some late draft steals, adding guys like Kadarius Toney, who flamed out with the Giants, but seemed to have found a home there. Casey. Sky Moore is probably going to get way more reps on the offensive end now this this upcoming season. I think they're going to be in a fine position. I assume McCole Hardman is going to go this is a weak free agent class for wide receivers. I could see him getting paid to go elsewhere, so they're gonna let him test the market. I think they draft a receiver. I think they go out there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando Brown, they can you said they can't tag him, but I don't know. I said I, I, I don't know that, if
1: they will they they can get away with it again, like how much money it's gonna cost them.
2: I don't know how you let somebody walk like that. I think you I think they would prefer to hold on to him. And just continue That's to build. That's what I was going to ask you
1: guys. So, where where do you? So, like, I think offensive line, possibly tackle, is a very important position in the draft. Like you said, receiver might be an important position, but I don't think it's a major necessity for the Chiefs because they have Mahomes and they believe he can make guys better. Uh, linebacker is a, a a point of interest I'm looking at. Maybe defensive line, Chris Jones and Frank Clark are getting up there in age. Defensive back, where where do you guys go maybe first two rounds for Kansas City, if you're Kansas City?
0: With Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, they're quote court cool linebacker. They'll have to pay Gay. And with LeJarious Sneed and Trent McDuffie, they're good at cornerback. Their emphasis defensively is that defensive line. Justin, you talked about those rookies. They have Leo Chanel, at linebacker. You've got George this as well, who was drafted to replace Frank Clark. Yeah. I don't think they're going to bring him back. And Carlos Dunlap as well. Um, or no, sorry, Frank Clark's not a free agent, but Carlos Dunlap is. So the number one priority for this team is tackle. It's tackle. That was their concern this year with Andrew Wiley. And Orlando Brown, while his he's wanting to get paid, his market value is $22 million. he was an issue for them oftentimes. Now, he has a great resume. He has a great – the line. The name value of a player goes a long way at tackle. You know, Quentin Nelson has struggled the last two years, but you hear Quentin Nelson, your ears perk up. The same goes with the Orlando Brown. He was not good in many stretches, and I'm not paying him more than fifty million dollars. I'm sorry. I can get a left tackle for four million in the draft in the second round. That'll probably, if you can hit on him, give you a lot of that same value back at left tackle. And then I think receiver. It's a concern, man, because Juju's market value is going to be around fourteen million this offseason. He just won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. He was a great slot receiver that adjusted his role accordingly when Ben was progressing. He just had one injury plagued season. So I look at wide receiver, Brandon, and left tackle. A right tackle more so than left tackle is the two key areas. Needed.
2: I think I think yeah. Juju is, is a receiver that – no, I, I'm sorry. I, the canal so Oh, okay, you know, go ahead. Just when you guys are talking, I'm talking over y'all.
0: But,
2: yeah, but uh, I, I feel like Juju is a guy that is replaceable. In this Kansas City scheme, he went all on fire. He had a good season. I, I don't think he eclipsed over a thousand yards. Uh, anyway, but good piece. And for that kind of price tag, though, I, I don't I don't find that to be worth it. Like I feel like this is a deep receiving class in the draft. I think you go get yourself somebody that fits your scheme. Like I said, as, you got Kadarius Tony, you got Sky Moore, you got Travis Kelsey, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, you you'll be fine. Find yourself another guy, a receiver that may stretch the field, and you're fine.
0: I agree with you. Juju's a good fit with Mahomes, but the draft every year we see, t- like last year, George Pickens was a stud for the Steelers, and he may not be a top-five receiver from that class. Sky Moore is a great example. Sky can take a big step forward this year. Rassam doing the AC Championship game, I think he's going to be a really good player with Kadarius. And being at the Tony next year, I think with that 31st overall pick, They may look to move up, actually, and take the best player on the board. And Brett Veach, if there's one thing that he is not getting enough credit for, it's making killer moves in the drafts. He'll have his misses like any GM, but at the end of the day, they've still not lost to the Broncos in a long time. And this last year, they didn't lose a single game in the A.C. West. So they'll be just fine.
1: Yeah. I just uh, final point for me. I, I, I I wanted to say to the Chiefs fans, if we're not sounding like super enthusiastic or you know hyped about this, because the chiefs have come to the point where we expect them to be great in the regular season. Like we expect them to make the right moves in the off season to make the right moves in the draft, find players similar to a new England Patriots or a Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll find a way to be good. Great. Now that's why, so we, it's just the expectations are so high now that it's just like, we understand where, you know, the assignment, we know what it is. Uh, you're the Chiefs now, so you should actually take pride in that—that that you guys have, you know, reached that point.
0: I still can't believe this is real. My brother Joe is a Chief fan, and seeing all the pain that he went through with the days of not being quite good enough in the OC, to now he won't stop making fun of me because as a Steeler fan, the roles have reversed. It's bittersweet. I'm happy for my brother and all my Chief fans out there because, quite frankly, they are one of the—they might be the best fan base in football. The Steelers are first, but they're a close second,
1: without a doubt. They don't respect the pass.
2: Well, well, the the Steelers were never good enough in the AFC. Yeah?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, they were always Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, John.
0: Right, you're right. Talking about the bridesmaid, the Chargers this last year won 10 games. (laughs) We were pretty disappointed in our life. Key injuries to JC Jackson only played five games, Joey Bosa won IR, and Rashawn Slater in his second season. The Chargers have not had easy over the last couple of years. They're one of the most snake-bitten teams by injuries, but we know the fans are built to handle that stuff. Over the last couple of years, they have throughout all of time. The issue in LA was defensively in the playoffs, they they blew a pretty big one, right? They, they blew a pretty big one. And they have a lot of issues in this offense around Justin Herbert that haven't quite been solved. And the draft, because they choked, they have the 21st overall pick along with the 54th, the 85th, and they have about negative 20 million. Uh, they've spent a lot of their money on key players like J.C. Jackson, who's got a $30 million dead cap if you want to release him. They're tied to the hip of this team. J.R.A., you're high in Justin Herbert. You think the playoff window with him is open, but this offseason, he's, he's eligible. For a monster extension that will cut close, ending that window of a top five quarterback in a rookie contract. How do the Chargers continue to get better, but not just improve? We've seen the baby steps. How did the Chargers Justin finally become a contender and not the same old pretenders? Like I said, that
2: okay, so I'll be honest with you. Bob So I, I, I... Feel like the chart contenders because of the guy that is under center, and I felt that way going into the playoffs. Uh, for the longest, I think this was supposed to be the year that they were going to go toe to toe with Kansas City. The off season moves that they made bringing Khalil Mag, bringing in a JC Jackson, and you know, for people that even well, I think both of us had been pretty hard on their weapons this year, and if they's you know. Add on the offensive end for Justin Herbert, but going into the season, I thought Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Josh Palmer, Austin Eckler was more than enough on, on the offensive side. But I guess they were lacking that explosiveness and lacking, a top of injuries, was just uh, a recipe for disaster for the for the Chargers. And this is a good team, a good roster on paper. It's that's the problem though. Football isn't played on paper. It's not who's on your roster. It's what are you on the field. And that that was the biggest. The Chargers. I really believe if they'd gotten through the Jaguar, they could have competed with KC. They did it twice earlier in the season. They took him to the brink multiple times. They've been doing it for the last couple of years. I, I think the Charges are a legit team, and yes, they have a lot of questions to be answered. Do you cut ties with Keenan Allen because he has a big cap pick this season? Uh, J.C. Jackson, if you. You're getting rid of him after one year, already a disaster. Of a move that they made, but this team, like I said, as long as Justin Herbert is there, I, I feel more confident in their direction. I can't say this team is can't compete because I, I honestly believe if you have that guy under center, if you have that main guy, an elite quarterback, he can take you to the next level. It's just about making the right moves now in the offseason, season, continuing to hunt him with talent and invest in your. Because if you're going to pay him as much as expected to get paid, that means it's all the more important now to hit on your draft. Because you can't just go out there with that big cap hit. You have to draft correctly. And you have to draft That's people exactly. that can make immediate impacts quite like the Chiefs did this past season.
1: Yes. Um. So, what you all said, They don't have the cap space right now. I'm looking at their free agents this this upcoming uh, year. I mean, the, the the one that just pops off the biggest one, uh, Kyle Van Noy, uh, that might be a, a tough loss. He's not, you know, what he once was, but he's still mm-hmm. a solid veteran piece that you know knows how to play high level football uh, and has been been in the playoffs and in the biggest stages and made some pretty big plays. <clears throat> they might they're probably going to lose him in free agency because they don't have the the space. They, they've kind of got the team down uh that's why they don't really need to make a lot of moves in the offseason especially splash moves uh in free agency I should say because they've they've they made those moves they have the players they just got injured last year Rashawn Slater JC Jackson Bosa was in and out Keenan Allen was in and out Khalil Mack actually I think played all the games uh but yeah they just need to get healthy and hit in the draft like Justin said the draft is very, very important. Those for those those rounds, like you, you need to find a player. I mean, like you said, I think the one thing on offense they were missing was that explosiveness. Somebody to be explosive. I don't know if they go that first round. Uh, maybe you go O line first round. Maybe you get a, a pick a defensive player because defense was kind of an issue for them uh, here and there. So it, it'll be, but I think definitely somewhere in the first three rounds, you 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 go get an explosive weapon uh, to put in your offense that can you know uh, game break because because Keenan Allen's not gonna you know burn you, Mike Williams isn't gonna burn you, Austin Eckler is not like a, a burner. So Everett not a burner. You you need you need that one guy that can you know create a lot more space because they got a lot of possession guys on their team.
0: You're right. So the good news for the Chargers is that Joel Lombardi is no longer their offensive coordinator. Thank yes. you. Uh, finally, Brand Staley gets one thing right uh, on that side of the ball. Offensively, the Chargers definitely need explosiveness. But the 21st pick, you have to go receiver early. I like a Jordan Addison. There's Quentin Johnson at TCU who's Zay got Flowers size out. and great length. Zay Flowers at a Boston College. He seems like a, a very late first-rounder that could slip into the he second. He put on one.
1: some weight too. I saw a picture. I think he put on like 15 pounds of muscle.
0: Really? I wonder how much what he'll be playing at. I think the obvious thing for them, though, is running back. Austin Eckler is amazing at the backfield, but he's never eclipsed 20 carries in a single game before. He's more of a complimentary back, that touchdown machine, great out of the receiving backfield, but you want him to be an extra weapon and not the focal point. We saw in that, I make fun of them, that loss versus the Jaguars in the playoffs. They weren't running the ball down. They weren't just punching it down the opposing team's throat. And that's an issue for them. Well, Justin Herbert, you don't want him to have to throw 50 times in order to win those high-level games. Let him throw 25. And I think for the Chargers, establishing a level of physicality offensively will then open up those deep shots. When you can add that dynamic on the ground, then it's easier. Now, Keenan Allen, you made the point, Justin. He missed seven games this last season. And he just turned 30 years old. Do the Chargers consider cutting yeah. Keenan Allen? It sounds crazy, right? Because the last couple of years. One of the premier receivers in the league, but they can free up fifteen million, and they'd only have a six six million dollars in dead cap for a player that. Let's be honest; you save a lot of cap space, so you can replace him with a guy that's younger and maybe long term brings a similar amount of value.
1: And I, it's a tough decision,
0: BC. Sure, but
1: I know it's a tough decision. I know, you know, going by the Bill Belichick rule of thumb, you know, get rid of him a year early and not a, a year too late. But for me, it's just like I. I Keenan Allen is a very important, you know, person in that locker room and on that team. I don't think Mike Williams is ready to be a number one. I don't think he'll ever be a number one. If I'm going to be honest with you, you need that Keen. You need Keenan Allen. Uh, I think you keep Keenan Allen. I I, I gotta be honest. I, I would, unless you see out there that there's something that you can you can go get to replace a Keenan Allen, which I don't see. Like I don't think you're getting a D Hop. Uh, so I stick with Keenan. I don't think he, but, but I, I really want to comment. I, I forgot to bring up Kellen Moore. Cause he's a major part to this team that I'm, I'm really excited for. He is going to be Justin Herber and him are going to be best friends. Uh, he's going to make, he's going to help Justin Herbert. I don't expect to have the same season he had last season, where his numbers were down. I expect him to be up there 45 hundred yards, 30, 35 touchdowns, uh, above a 64 65 percent completion percentage, i expect these things uh because kellen moore is a great offensive coordinator i think we all saw that uh in, in dallas Th- the, just go look up the numbers that dak put up the cowboys put up in total i think over kellen moore's tenure he's only second in yard, total offensive yards to guess who the kansas city chiefs that's pretty good company um he's going to make Justin Herbert that much better he's going to make this offense that much better. He's going to scheme up the open plays for Justin and Justin Herbert's just got to make the right plays to make the right throws. And I think we all expect him to do that. So great move by the chargers to go get a Kellen Moore still iffy on a Brandon Staley, not, you know, a big fan of Brandon Staley as a head coach, but they got the coordinator right for, 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 for the offensive side of the football. So now Brandon Staley hopefully can just focus on defense and, you know, make that thing actually good. Cause that's what you were.
0: Mm-hmm. He's going to need a healthy secondary this year in a C-Ratterly is a free agent. So is Drew Tranquil, who has started last couple of years, had a career high five sacks last season, nearly a hundred tackles. Well, shout Most out to Asante
1: Samuel jr.
0: though. Oh, for sure. When we talk about the depth of this young team, the younger players as Samuel is an emerging star. We saw that three interceptions versus the Jaguars had himself, a killer game. And the flashes have always been there. He was probably a first-round prospect that slipped to them. That was one heck of a pick. I feel like for the Chargers, they gotta add more of that secondary, but that secondary has to stay healthy for Brown Staley's Fangio-style defense. It relies a lot on communication, because they're always changing their coverages, and a lot of it is relying on a pass rush that's good enough. They had the pass rush of Joey Bosa that could stay healthy. It's about guys like Duran James, who they just think that massive contract, playing all 17 games, because if he isn't, y'all are cooked. It comes down to that, quite frankly, for the Chargers. Draft well, stay healthy, and for the love of God, get some help for Justin Herbert. And there's no inclination, no signs yet they'll cut Keenan Allen with the $25 million cap pit next year. I think that's something they should uh, at least consider. Now we're going to shift gears to the AFC East. Jets and the Miami Dolphins for today. As we then shift gears to the Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. That'll be an interesting one for next episode. Which team will we start off with today? Justin, the choice is yours. Let's talk about the Jets. The New York Jets. Let's
2: do
0: it. I remember saying they could be a top five team by the end of 2023 or the end of 2022, right? And they lost the last six games of the season finished with seven wins, and will move into this year's draft after a 5-2 and two start with the 13th overall pick, a second in the top 50. They only have six picks this year, and they don't have much cap space either. Sim Keefe agents: Quincy Williams, Connor McGovern, LaMarcus Joyner, and Quan Alexander. Oh boy, J. Ray. What is the move for this Jets team? to finally, with this elite defense they've developed over the last year, and Bruce Hall coming off the tour ACL, to not only make the playoffs but become a contender in the AFC? Because defensively, you have the foundation with Robert Zell.
2: I think we all know the answer. Uh, And I don't know what we're waiting on. I think we're waiting on confirmation from Aaron Rodgers to say he's playing football for sure next season and he's open to the possibility of going to another team. Once that happens, I believe the wheels will start turning and the Jets will start making moves. Right now, I think uh, that's what's holding them back from either signing Derek Carr or moving on to other options. They want to know what Aaron Rodgers' plans are, and and that is ultimately the right decision to do uh, to figure out what the hell this guy's doing. It's rough. It's tough because... You know, you got to sit on your hands for a while and you're letting things go by because another team might scoop your insurance plan up. But Aaron Rodgers is the only thing that's going to turn this Jets team around. And while last season, I'll be honest with you, I didn't agree with the benching of Zach Wilson. The more I think about it, I, I didn't agree with it. After the New England game prior, prior to that game, the Jets were playing winning football. Zach Wilson was not lighting the world on fire, but they were playing winning football with him as their quarterback. The Brees Hall injury absolutely hurt them. But that New England game shattered Zach Wilson's confidence when they benched him. After that, when they when they benched him, it, it was, I guess, really defeating for him. I honestly believe that had they rolled with Zach Wilson the rest of the season, one, they would have had a better shot at making the playoffs, and two – you'd have more clarity on what exactly Zach Wilson can be in the NFL. It's looking like Zach Wilson will probably still be in the Jets organization, but if you really want to win, if you really want to see yourself as a contender, if you see yourself as a potential Super Bowl team with this elite defense, Zach Wilson cannot be your guy. You have to get Aaron Rodgers in the building, and that'll instantly – elevate the jets to probably i would say the best team in the afc east
1: that's uh yeah um listen so i had some conversations last night too um when i was watching the fights one of the guys happens to be a jets fan shout out tommy uh always give the we have a fun thing where we when we give a handshake high elbows always with tommy high elbows i don't know it's just funny uh but (laughs) uh So I asked him, you know, Rodgers or Carr? And he said he wanted Derek Carr over Rodgers. And both my brothers actually said that if Rodgers came to the Jets and came to the AFC, he'd be the third best quarterback in that conference. Uh, Behind Mahomes, and they said Burrow. Now, I said, I'm not putting him over. I'm not putting Burrow over Rodgers because just because Rodgers had one down season where he was dealing with three or four separate injuries at one point. A lot of, you know, change in the offense, no number one receiver, yada, 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 injuries on the O line. You know, the the details. Before that, he was a back to back MVP. So, you know, I. I I think that they're looking at just the longevity of first off, they don't want to be in this, this bubble with Aaron Rodgers, where he kind of controls his own fate and destiny, kind of like what Brett Favre would, would, uh, would uh, did. And they, 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 they look at Derek Carr and they say, well, Derek gives us more of a uh, confirmation, I guess you would say more trust in Derek Carr to really know that he's going to be there. Uh, So that's where I think they come from. But again, like Justin has said, if a guy like Aaron Rodgers is on the trade market or on the free agency market, whichever, you 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 take your shot because those guys don't come available. Like a Tom Brady in free agency doesn't come available. All right? A Peyton Manning doesn't come available. Those things don't usually happen. So when they do, you take your shot. And like Justin said, the Broncos do not regret it. The Bucks do not regret it. You go get an Aaron Rodgers. You take your shot. One or two years with Aaron Rodgers is better than four or five with Derek Carr. I'm just telling you that right now. If you, this is what I'm going to say. If the New York Jets believe they are a quarterback away, you go get Aaron Rodgers. Plain and simple.
0: I think, Brandon, the Jets now are what the Broncos thought they were last offseason. Garrett Wilson is an emerging superstar, had 1,100 yards with three different quarterbacks, none of which upper echelon. The defense with Quinn Williams, they at the pace soon. Sauce Garner on a rookie contract. DJ Reed, who they signed as their second corner. Man, it's special. And they did that with the burden of an offense that, you know, first the Patriots in the second half of that that matchup was getting negative yards. They couldn't move the football without Brees Hall. And I've seen a lot of parallels to when they acquired Brett Favre back in 2008, right? Because Rodgers and Favre, the two greatest quarterbacks, arguably in Packers history, both 39 years old, great careers. I think Favre had three MVPs, Rodgers has four. And that Jets team started off the year. Justin, you've talked about this multiple times on the show after back-to-back wins versus the Titans. And the Patriots with eight wins to three losses. But with Bruce Hall, there's just another dimension to this Jets offense. You're not going to get early in the year, right? He tore his ACL early in the second month. But by the end of the season, Bruce Hall is such a freak, and he was going to win the rookie of the year offensively if he didn't get hurt, that by the end of the season, if you add in Aaron Rodgers, everything the Jets have is almost everything he needs. The only thing they lack is a left tackle. But Becton Beckton can't stay healthy. I don't know if he will be able to if he cuts some weight because he just lost three years to struggle with that. If you can find a left tackle in the third round, who will at least stay healthy. Because I'll be honest, I don't trust Dwayne, Dwayne Brown at almost 40 years old.
1: How much cap space they got, John?
0: It's a great question. According to my data, they have <laughs> about $4 in cap space oh, wow. and $2 million in dead money.
1: Oh, okay. I thought they would have a lot more. Um, all right. Mm-hmm. And my point is going to be invalid. I was saying if they had the cap space, because I was expecting them to have it because, you know, they didn't know they were paying that many people that much money. Uh, you know, you get Rodgers, and then maybe if you have enough money over uh, left over, Orlando Brown is out there, but that's a mute point at this point. They don't got the money for that. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, my question now to you guys is what we all agree, I think, you know, you go get Aaron Rodgers. For the Jets, what do the Jets have to give up for Aaron Rodgers? I think the price starts at bare minimum two first round picks. Bare minimum, I don't expect it to be just two firsts.
0: The Jets would have to give up the same package the Broncos gave up last year for Russell Wilson, which was two firsts, two seconds, defensive tackle, and Shelby Harris, a little bit older, and then also a couple of extra picks, day three, and also for a forward top 10 pick. And Noah Font. I don't think the Jets have to give up many players. Maybe one, but you're gonna uh, have to give up at least. Yeah. Two I don't.
1: I don't six. think. I don't think the, the. I don't see anybody. Maybe. Maybe they they part ways with to give to them uh, on the team. But yeah, I could see two firsts. It's gonna be a steep price, man. What do you think, Justin?
2: It's a steep price, especially when you don't know how long the guy's going to play. It's rough, but if you get verbal commitment and you get him to sign a contract, well, he's already a, a, has a big deal. But if you have him for two, three years, I, I think you, you go out there and, and you throw out as many draft picks as you need to.
1: Well, I think I think he's on. I think he's got two years left.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: give it up if you if, again. If the Jets believe their quarterback away, you go get Rodgers.
0: Now, so. here's one thing I'm, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. Brian, you asked how much cap space the Jets had, and I told you they really have none. And the good news is that they can clear up upwards to $40 million by cutting players or at least restructuring players. Great example, C.J. Mosley, he'll invest a lot of money into. Corey Davis, Dwayne Brown, Jordan Whitehead, even Carl Lawson, who came back last year off his torn ACL. All those fridges they signed at the start of the Sala era, they can restructure those deals, and maybe they cut bait with Corey Davis, and yeah. now they're opening upwards to thirty million Probably. to make a, a pretty big splash. But you have to keep in mind, a lot of that money is going to Quentin Williams. because That boy, he's got to get his money. I mean, he was arguably the best defensive tackle in football this last year. I think he was personally.
2: Got
0: him. You heard that, Justin? He's got to he get his money,
2: it.
1: all right.
0: Yeah, I pay that man. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers knows.
1: Aaron Rodgers knows. Hey. What does Aaron Rodgers say? What's the what's what's the quote? Don't judge. Uh, uh, be curious. Be curious. That's from a movie. Oh, damn it, I forgot what movie it's from. It's from a movie I've seen too. I'm gonna look it up. What do you say? Don't don't judge. Be curious. While
0: you're looking at that, Brandon, the other issue for the Jets is that. They don't have extra picks. All their picks are their own. So it's not like the Broncos, right? They've had picks they could move. They got one for Bradley Chubb. The Jets don't have an influx of assets to invest into that offensive line. That's another key area of need for this team. The good news that Elijah Vera Tucker, who was a swingman guard, great for them last year, former top 15 pick or top 20 pick, his season ended shortly with a peck injury. He comes back as the mix. He's going to be a great player. I really think, though, you have to invest almost all of the rest of those picks into a second running back. They couldn't find that last year. They thought they did. Maybe it's Michael Carter. We'll see. And then, surely, the tackle spots. Because if you get Aaron, that's a good start. But the finish is actually protecting him, which the Packers failed to do last season.
1: By the way, it was, uh, it was it was, it was it's not a movie. It's a TV show. A great TV show. If you guys haven't watched, you guys need to watch it. Like I implore you guys to watch it. Ted Lasso. Some Ted Lasso. Great show.
2: Phenomenal. I love Ted Lasso.
1: Phenomenal. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. What a show.
0: Yeah. You want to was also be a goldfish show this
1: last season?
2: Yeah. Be a goldfish.
0: What? You want to was also a phenomenal show this last season? What? The Miami Dolphins offense with the healthy yeah. Tua Tunga Vailoa. Yeah. So the Dolphins got off to a rocket heart start. Rocket hot. Let me repeat that. So the, Hard. So the Miami Dolphins got off to a rocket hot start in 2022. But by the end of the year, Tua had suffered multiple concussions, missed the end of the season. Teddy Bridgewater is even less durable, and remarkably, they're down to their third-string quarterback in Skyler Thompson. They finished the year with nine wins. They then take the Bills in the wild card down to the wire. If they had Tua, they're winning that game. And now you look at a team that, at receiver, you have the best, the best combination of, Talents and speed and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Kill. They were a cheat code this last season. At running back, Raheem Mostert was great. Put on some weight. He stayed healthy. You have a ton of weapons, but Mostert's a for agents. So is Mike Jasicki, a former top, top pick for them that's been pretty valuable over the last couple of years. And Trent Sherfield, the third receiver. Defensively, they hire Vic Fangio, but even then, they have all have expectations because they traded a first-round pick that they got. The last one from the Trader Lance trade, for Bradley Chubb, who they then inked to a monster for a year contract, if memory serves fully guaranteed. Brandon, you are a little bit lower on this Dolphins team for reasons I think every viewer will understand. The moment they click on this video, what is the biggest concern with this Dolphins team? And this offseason, how can they kind of maybe cloud any of your judgment or skepticism with this team long term?
1: Well, first off, I'm looking at, now this could just be Wikipedia, right? So Wikipedia says they have their first-round draft pick this year. They don't have their first-round draft pick this year, right?
0: <sighs> Wikipedia would be remiss because their first pick is the 51st. 51st in a second. Because okay.
1: they don't even they – they just say, you know, the round one, but they say selection TBD, so that's what I thought. All right. Uh, but they, they have uh, um, a lot of free agents, like you said. You know, some players that they picked up, Eric Fisher, Trey Flowers, uh, Mike Kasicki, like you said, Melvin Ingram, uh, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Eric Rowe, Alandon Roberts—they got a lot of guys free agents. But they've got a—you know—we we know they've got this 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 talent on the offensive end in Waddell and Hill, and then obviously the mastermind of it all, Mike McDaniel. The old line—they invested some money into it defense they invested you know a bunch of players there's a lot of good players on this team but the one thing for me the biggest concern is is what it's always been is Tua. I i don't believe in him to be a high level quarterback consistently and i also don't have faith in in him staying healthy you know it's just a a fact it it is what it is It, it sucks it's sad but sometimes that's that's what it is we've seen it before some players just you know they can't stay healthy. So that's my major concern. If, if they, if they get a, listen, uh, you know what? We're talking about the Miami dolphins now. Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I I think I might've messed up earlier, but I'm going to make my, my my thing now. Right. There's a guy out there quarterback falling on some hard times, you know, made a resurgence somewhere on the, on the West coast late in the season. He's, he's a free agent and he, he he's got, there, there's a spot here. If the dolphins are serious, they should call one, Mr. Baker Mayfield to be their backup quarterback. And Baker should very much consider this spot. As I said, I'm pretty sure last year when he was a free agent and we were talking about this, I said Miami is a perfect spot because guess what? Backup quarterback, Tua, is injury prone. You wait for your opportunity. And guess what? When you get that opportunity, you're not going to be stuck in a, in a Los Angeles Rams team that has literally nothing. You're not going to be stuck on a Carolina Panthers team run by Matt Rule. You're going to be on the Miami Dolphins with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle with Mike McDaniel calling an insane offensive scheme and a good O line when healthy. Baker Mayfield in Miami. I love it. I'd hate it for the Patriots to go against it, but it, it's. I, I have to be honest. This is a. Per, th- this is one of three or four teams. I got to remember the other teams where I believe Baker should fricking consider and really go. And I think Miami to me is a number one option should be his number one option. They should consider that they should as a backup quarterback. I'm just saying.
2: I, I actually really love that. Yeah, that that kind of got me excited. Yeah, that got I'm me welcome. pumped up. So I, I would love to see Baker f- find himself in a spot like Miami to see him with that, that gluttony of weapons. who with a trusted head coach that is yeah, developing quarterbacks and, you know, I would like to say, you know, Tua feel terrible about all the injuries that he's had to go through. It's, it's an awful situation because he was off to a fantastic start of the season. That, you know, that laser show that he put up in Baltimore, I think in week two, week three, was incredible. But it's very clear that Miami does need to consider moving on from him as, as their quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they actually go out there and draft a quarterback in the second or third round, just as an insurance policy. That's better than Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, because I'll be honest with you. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very old backup quarterback. But anyways, on the other end, this Miami team is very talented and they missed a big opportunity because of the injuries to their quarterback where they they almost had a shot at winning this division. They almost had a shot at having a a home playoff game, which would have been insanely important and we spoke about that on one of our episodes when we were talking about which team needs home field advantage the most and I said Miami you get somebody playing in that heat it's a totally different ball game new england would go down there routinely and struggle in that weather so it, it's something that i think this miami team is in is in a good spot they just need to find the guy and you know i hate i feel like i sound so repetitive because we've been doing these recaps uh, of these teams their off season previews And a lot of it really just comes down to who's the quarterback. A lot of it really comes down to if it's, are they going to be healthy enough to do it? But that's the most important position in football. That's the most important position in sports. You need that guy under center. And my Justin, listen, looking for that. And unfortunately, too, it hasn't been it.
1: Thank you for coming to my side. It took you almost a year, but thank you for coming to my side of what I've been saying all along about the quarterback. Wow. Mm -hmm. Feel validated again.
0: So there's one thing with this Dolphins team that is yet to be mentioned that is a huge red flag, and that is still their offensive line. They signed Teron Armstead, and Teron is a great player, but he oh, can't no. finish the season. They have Austin Jackson, who I believe they got the Nick Fitzpatrick pick. He is not a starting tackle. And their interior offensive line can be improved. So I agree with you, Brent Baker Mayfield, his best – by far, traction would be going to Miami. Great weather, no state income tax. But most importantly, this Dolphins team was eight and three after beating the Texans, knocking on the door, as Justin said, of the AFC East title. That was the most competitive division in the AFC, arguably. Arguably, I think the North was right there. And the only thing they were missing was an offensive line and Tua Tungavailoa being available. Now, I don't want to be insensitive here because Tua just turned 25. He had a phenomenal season, and I want to really give him a moment because he deserves it. He had this team in prime position to have their best season in multiple decades. So he had 25 touchdowns in 13 games, a 65% completion percentage, and he threw for 273 yards per game, and spotted being knocked out of two games without finishing. He led the NFL in quarterback rating, Yards per, okay, yards per attempt, yards per completion, yards and attempts, or yards per, what is this, average, whatever it is. He led the NFL in a lot of stats. And he was kind of the right quarterback in the red zone that was absolutely surgical. He continued to get better. He improved his arm. Something then the offseason that was a major talking point. The only issue with Tua is his long-term health. He had multiple concussions. And for a quarterback that's not mobile, and it's just six foot, has a slight frame. We had to look at Tua Tunga-Vailoa as a bridge for the Dolphins because long-term as NASDAQ, you may have already seen his best years. Now, his best was phenomenal, right? He was being put into the MVP conversation. But the concern is he's 25 and he can't stay healthy now. And there are a lot of really good quarterbacks that can fit and thrive in this man of the offense. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, look at what he didn't have this year. And then look at what Tua had. They play in pretty similar levels. So Baker Mayfield, he's a smart guy. If I were his agent, I would tell him go sign Miami because there, if there's any team where you can have everything minus the offensive line, which hey look, you can sign Baker and you're still going to have that 51st pick to go right to go right tackle to his blind side right because Teron Armstead plays left tackle. And you have to extend Raheem Moster. He has to come back. He was amazing for them down the stretch. And also, Mike Jaseki as well. i can like to see them bring him back if they can. But he's going to be a player like Kevin Ingram that I think will command upwards to uh, maybe $10 million a season. So we'll see.
1: They could franchise tag him too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just final words. is Baker Mayfield, time to take your talents to South Beach.
0: And there's one last thing. Their defense... Has also another red flag, and that's their secondary. Um, Byron Jones recently came out and talked about, you know, how since coming to the league, especially the Dolphins, his health has also been jeopardized. Their secondary has regressed between him and Xavier Howard this last season. Howard was a player I wish Mistulas took in the draft. He went in the second round, and he's had some monster seasons. But Xavier doesn't look like the same player. So they're really reliant on Javon Holland, their second-year safety. And he's going to be a great player. You have Chubb, you have Jalen Phillips, who they took in the first round. I think Phillips is going to develop into a Pro Bowler. You have a lot on the edge, but now for Vic Fangio, his defense is predicated on athletic, smart, and durable safeties that can not only cover one-on-one a man, but can move to rounds. You know, it's his defense relies a lot on making quarterbacks adjust post-snap and process with a heated pass rush coming at you in a matter of a couple seconds what the defense is giving you. Now they'll show you one look pre-snap and then we'll change that up. The other thing too is with his defense, they also are very shallow. Like defensively, in the secondary, they're not very aggressive. So you really have to overhaul both the offensive line and the secondary. So as Vic is coming in here and he's a great DC, I don't know if the personnel is quite good enough yet, which means and the same way we talked about the Chargers having hand the draft offensively, this Dolphin team needs to inject a, a lot more defensively. Because currently speaking, you only have what is it? Six picks in this year. You have five picks and zero in the top 50. You have a very small margin for error here. And given Tua struggle to stay healthy, the ceiling is you can win the ASC East next year if you get 17 games of your starter. But the risk is that what you can't cut Xavier Howard. He's got thirty three million dead. He has to be better. And if you don't handle the Buccaneers draft, there is a potential regress, regression
2: coming in twenty twenty three. Talking about a little bit more positive. Well, you
1: know,
2: stuff. The Jordan Poyer seems like a, a great fit for the Miami Dolphins. He's he's a guy that has already came out and said uh, he where uh, take half of his paycheck and then. Also, would like to play somewhere where it's sunny and nice for the majority of the year. Uh, It's a nice little hemi.
0: Talking about places that are sunny. Las Vegas, 285, UFC, John Bones Jones, Bo Nickel, The Introduction, Brandon, I'm a casual UFC fan, and last night I'll be honest, it disappointed me in some ways. But boy, was it exciting! Let's start off with this UFC 285 recap. Everything that the people need to
1: know. So yeah, it was a it was overall was it was, a, it, was a, it was a great night in my opinion. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It was very highly entertained throughout the entire night. Um, I'll just give a couple of mentions uh, the prelims before I get to the pay per view and main card. Uh, shout out Ian Gary, Irish guy, undefeated uh, now 12 and 0. He, he really started his MMA, MMA career by seeing Conor McGregor take his rise. Uh, he got the TKO in, in the uh, final uh, 30 or 40 seconds of the third round. Uh, he got dropped in the first round, rebounded well, uh, and was able to, to get the finish late in the round with uh, uh, beautiful combos. Uh, so shout-out Ian Gary. Uh, shout-out Amanda Hibas. She had a great performance. Uh, she was able to beat uh, uh, Viviane Arruja. Arujo, I should say, uh, by decision, unanimous. Uh, now she's uh, going to be officially ranked in the flyweight division. Uh, she's had a couple of tough fights against some ranked opponents in the flyweight division that um, uh, and lost them, so she couldn't get ranked. But uh, now she's officially going to be ranked in there, so that, that's good. She's another contender for this flyweight division that has kind of opened up because of what happened in the co-main event, but I will get to that. Um, uh, Driscus du- uh, Duplessis south african guy broke into the top i think now maybe f- six or five in the middleweight division by beating Derek brunson uh derrick brunson's team threw in the towel for him uh, i was just getting bad brunson is, is he's, he's getting old uh, or I should, he is old uh he gases out really quickly and these these young guys like duplessis they're just hung hungry lions and and they feed on that when they smell blood in the water. So big win by DuPlessis, but I think he's got a lot of work to do to compete with those top five guys in the 185 pound division. Uh, then the main event of the prelims, uh, my guy, Cody Garbrandt coming back after a year layoff, uh, didn't have a very exciting fight. Uh, used a little bit more of his wrestling, uh, was able to get the takedowns, beautiful takedowns. Uh, he was able to set them up nice. Uh, Uh, landed him perfectly, wasn't able to hold uh, Trevin down uh, that much, but was able to get the takedowns, Uh, you know, evaded a lot, did some dance moves here and here and there to to pump up the crowd, but it was overall not a very exciting fight. Uh, Cody has just been a different fighter after being finished in four of his last, I think, six fights uh, after an an insane rise, undefeated, beating Dominic Cruz for the Bantamweight championship in arguably the greatest Performance in a championship fight of all time, Cody Garbrandt. He's just, he's, he's had a, a downhill ever since uh, the TJ fights. Uh, so it was good to see him get a win and, and be back, but he just doesn't look comfortable on the feet anymore because of the, just, you know, the damage he's taken. But kicking off the, the main card, the pay per view, a guy I hyped up very highly, one Mr. Bo Nickel, elite wrestler out of Penn State. 4-0 now i was telling everybody that i was watching the fight with when this fight was uh, uh about to uh, go on when they were doing the walkouts that i said bo nickel within two minutes it was 254 i was close but listen was it a highly impressive fight N- not not necessarily right like uh it, it it didn't display Bo Nichols skills as much as I I, I wanted it to or as much as it, it um it did in the Dana White contender series. But he listen, he's making a, he's taking a big step up in competition. He's fighting the guy he's fighting, Jamie Pickett, it doesn't have a great record, but he's got twenty one fights. He's got experience, he's fought before. Uh, Bo Nichols' his debut on in the UFC, kicking off the pay per view of a John Jones fight. Uh, I, I will say, listen. I don't know if you guys caught that fight. Uh, Bo did. He, he definitely need Jamie Pickett in the nuts. Uh, it was pretty clear. The ref didn't see it uh, led right. to the takedown. Yeah. Led to the takedown and then was able to get the, the, the arm triangle, which is what the, the finish, which was crazy was he didn't even have it locked in the right way. Uh, he had to get, he was trying to get his left leg out and then he could have really cinched it in, but he was able to get the finish. In that way, so that just shows you the squeeze on that uh, that kid. It, this kid, I'm selling the, the way Dana talked about him in the post fight press conference. They're talking, I, I told you, this guys the limit. He got a first round finish, he might get a top 15 guy next. This guy could be fighting for the title earliest, mid 2024, latest 2024, end of 2024, I should say. So don't, just be on the lookout for one bow nickel. Uh, the next fight uh gamrot versus um uh, jalen turner this, this was one where i don't want to be super disrespectful but i was just in and out talking uh w- talking with people around while this fight was going on so I'd, I'd have to re-watch it again uh gamrot was able to uh get the get the uh, decision win the split decision win uh taking a short notice fight tough fight against jalen turner i saw that uh, the things I did see were pretty good. The ba- there was back and forth action. There was big shots being landed, takedowns, uh, submissions being thrown up. So it looked like a good fight. I'm going to go back and rewatch it, but Yamrock got the fight. Uh, high-risk uh, fight for a guy short notice and uh, being the higher-ranked fighter. But next up, we got Shavkat Rachmanov, the undefeated fighter, who has now f- continued his streak, 17 wins, uh, undefeated, and all seventeen of his wins are via finish. He's finished every single one of his opponents. And this fight was fight of the night. Uh, Jeff Neal missed weight uh, by four pounds. He came in at one seventy-five. So, and, and Dana Dana said, uh, "Listen, Dana got uh, gave this guy his uh, his um his performance uh um, bonus money, which he never does. If you miss weight, you don't get performance money. But he just said this fight was just so good, uh, so great that the the." the heart that both guys showed, I mean, rocking off with those knees to the the stomach just over and over again, the vicious, the elbows, the big shots, Sh- uh, Shavka getting rocked by Jeff Neal over and over showing heart and, and being able to overcome adversity. It was just, I mean, it, it, it was a great fight. The body shots really paid off late into the, uh, late in, in the third round. And then Shavka able to get that finish, the submission, uh, Almost kind of like a one armed standing rear naked choke was just it was a highly impressive finish, uh, with like I think 40 seconds left in the fight. Uh, what a fight! Uh, definitely fight of the night. Insane. I, I, I loved that fight. Uh, I don't know where it's going to rank in fight of the year. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we are later this year, but that was one hell of a fight. So, next up, we got the first of two title fights. We got The queen, or the former queen, I guess I should say now, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, who had, I believe, eight title defenses, I think, uh, for her flyweight title, maybe seven, six, somewhere in that range. Uh, To me, she's the second greatest female fighter of all time behind Amanda Nunes. Um, And she actually might be, talent-wise, technique-wise, the most talented fighter I've ever seen because she's just the way she fights is, is, is robotic at, at, at times um this fight I, I I didn't see it going the way that it, it went uh, I thought Valentina was gonna be able to take her down with more ease uh, and be able to dominate the top position with more ease she almost did in the second round she almost she got the crucifix position uh for like a s- couple seconds but Alexa was able to fight out of it show great grit and determination and get uh getting up and um going into the third I really I thought it was one one I thought Grasso won the first she was able to land a great 1 2 on Valentina oh she, when she rocked Valentina the whole room that I was watching it was like holy crap here we like she just rocked Valentina cuz I, I I haven't personally seen that um where I haven't seen it in a long time. Valentina is, just doesn't get cr- uh, cracked like that. Alexa, I, I did say this. If this was on the feet, it would it, it would have a chance to be a really um, exciting fight. And I said Grasso is alive. Uh, she has a live chance on the feet because of her boxing style. Uh, She's she got that Mexican boxing style taken over uh, after, uh, you know, the greats of Canelo Alvarez and, and, and the other great boxers. But she sew, showed great <sighs> – Timing, power, the 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 improvements on the ground, being able to get up, and then going into the fourth round. I thought uh, I thought going into the fourth, I thought Valentina was up two one. I thought she had round round two and three. Alexa won round one. And then the fourth round came. I thought Grasso was winning that round. It was it was close, but I thought Grasso had more of a majority of that round she was winning. And then at the end of it, she talked about in her post-fight press conference where she said they, they were working on – Valentina likes to do a lot of spinning attacks, and they timed it. They timed it well, and she timed it perfectly. When she did her spinning attack, I think she threw a spinning back kick, she was able to get to the back – like a freaking spider monkey. She was able to wrap those legs around her uh, waist backpacker, work towards the choke. And I think if you guys saw the replays, you can see – just how tightly she's, she's inching a little bit closer, just tightly squeezing that in. And then you see even Valentina, she doesn't want to tap because I don't think she was going unconscious or anything. Maybe she was, it wasn't under the, the neck, but it was when you see her release, you can see a huge white mark on Valentina's face of how tight she was squeezing. Valentina didn't want to tap, but you can see when she gets up, she just puts her hands, in her face like, damn, I got You know, the queen had been dethroned. The queen had been dethroned. and, and We've seen a lot of upsets lately, uh, Pena over Nunez a couple years ago, Leon Edwards over Usman, which we're going to see the trilogy fight in a couple of a weeks in London. We've, uh, uh, not really an upset, uh, but Pereira over Adesanya. We've seen a lot of these upsets, uh, upsets lately. And Valentina is the, was the next victim. Um, so shout out Alexa Grasso. I've been a big fan of her for years, uh, mm-hmm. She started out at straw weight. She's now moving up to flyweight. She's still undefeated at flyweight, 5-0, and now with a win over the greatest flyweight um, fighter uh, in women's uh, MMA history, and Valentina Zavchenko, one of the greatest fighters, uh, female fighters of all time. Insane a win. Now we move on to a, a rematch. Valentina will get a rematch because when you're that dominant for so long, you deserve and you have earned your rematch. I just hope the rematch is in Mexico City, Mexico, uh, Because now we've got three Mexican-born champions in the UFC. we got Alexa Grasso, the uh, first-ever female-born UFC champion. Yair Rodriguez, who won the interim UFC featherweight championship. And Brandon Moreno, who is a two-time flyweight champion. So we've got three Mexican-born champions. And then then Irene Aldana is in talks to possibly fight Amanda Nunes for the bantamweight championship. So we could have four uh, Mexican-born champions at once. I hope the next fight for this is in Mexico. Have all those fights on that card. Have a big blow-off date. That would be epic. Mexico would go absolutely insane. Viva La Mexico. Uh, What a night, though, uh, for that. But now we move on to the main event. The fight in which this card was built on. The return. The debut at Heavyweight of the GOAT, Johnny Bones Jones. Three-plus years. I, I I had a feeling, guys, I told you, I, I've been saying Jones inside of four rounds, I believe the wrestling is just on another level, uh, if Francis was able to take him down, what do you think John's going to do, uh, John is the greatest of all time, his resume speaks for itself, he's beaten everybody, uh, and in, in, in great fashion too. 20 now, you know, quote unquote, 28 and oh, he, he's got that one loss, not really lost his disqualification, uh, never lost a fight. And when he, 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 I didn't expect it to go that, that the way it did. I'm going to tell you that I thought Cyril would put up a little bit more of a fight. I thought it maybe go late second round finish for John, early third. But goddamn, did he,
2: uh, he sliced that was hoping. Hoping for that.
1: Hoping, yeah. But he sliced through him like butter. The first time he got, he was able to get his hands on him, he tossed around a 250-pound man like he was a kid. Put him on his ass. Was able to work for position, wrap the legs around. And I didn't think he was going to be able to get – that is a hard spot to get a submission like that off with the cage right there and the, the, just the, the way you are, the position to get a squeeze – but pay that 84 inch reach pays off those long lengthy limbs. He's got the tight squeeze, the strength he's got I, initially you couldn't see if it was under the chin, but on the replay, you could see it was under the chin and I mean, what was it? It was two and a half minutes. John, I think it uh, was, was the entire two fight. minutes
0: and four seconds,
1: two minutes and four seconds. So right. when he did that, he tapped out. I said, what are they going to say now? <laughs> this man is the goat. He's done it. He's, there's nothing more to say. I mean, we're, 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 he made it look effortless, easy. He made Cyril Ghan look like he wasn't even a ranked fighter. So, I, I mean, I'll let you guys speak on the main event or any other fights before I, I want to talk about the future, uh, uh, going into the future of the UFC for this event. So if you guys have anything you guys want to say about the, the fights or John Jones in general.
0: Chera? So, John Jones, Ben, that fight was one I expected to go at least three rounds. At least three rounds. But you made the point, he was just so comfortable on him. And once he got him on his back, it was over. And you made the point, John is the GOAT. Has anyone ever had a a greater peak? Because I look at a fight like this, he's not on his peak, right? Just turned 35 years old. We didn't know if he was going to fight again after not fighting the last three years. No one's ever had a better peak than him, right?
1: I mean, they're, they're listen, there's a lot of great fires and we're splitting hairs, uh, stacking resumes up the, the way he's doing right. Right now he's solidifying it. Like he's slamming the book shut right now, especially with the win uh, in, uh, against Stepe next up, but he's solidifying it now because he, he the, 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 names he's beaten, the resume he's put up, the consistency, the hall of famers, the legends he's gotten his resume, the champions, it's, it's bar none. I mean, you can compare like a GSP, a Silva, uh, some of those guys, uh, Amanda Nunes for, for my money, um, but it's John. Clear, clearly, uh, it's John. Yeah.
0: I mean, the fact that he came in after three years off, it was just so comfortable. Like mm-hmm. he talked about how he felt a little bit off on his feet after the fight, and once he got on the floor, I was like, okay, like I knew I had him once I got my hands on him. Now, as somebody that hasn't watched John in about four years,
1: it was a quick reminder that, oh, yeah,
0: there's a reason.
1: So, yeah, yeah, uh, there was a little controversy uh, right at the beginning before the fight happened when John was coming into the octagon where the commission saw his tape, and John spoke about it where he had to, you know, have a conversation <laughs> in his head where it's like, you know, calm down, relax, everything. Like, you don't understand how how much that can actually – if like, we, we just sit there and, you know, we're you know, observing or whatever, like, okay, you know, got to cut the tape off, but – that could affect a fighter's psyche. You're about to go in there and fight for your life. And then now you've got to worry about, oh, are they going to let me fight? Like, because John said, uh, he said in the post-fight, post-fight press conference, just for future reference, I'm never fighting without tape on my, on my feet. So just so everybody knows that. So he literally told the commission that when he was going in the octa, I'm not fighting if, if you t- tell me to take the tape off my feet. So that fight could have literally ended right there if they said no, but they were able to be liable. They just cut a little bit of the extra stuff off and they let him keep the, the toast because uh, he's had problems with that for a while, but a little bit of controversy there. And one last, uh, I mean, one, one thing that really booked it for me, I saw like a, a couple days ago, John saw a video of Cyril gone playing FIFA and he he he, he took that personally. He said, this guy's playing FIFA up on the fight week. I'm over here, you know, training for a combat sports. Uh, I'm training to, uh, you know, his, his, his coaches and trainers are, are wearing suits and suited up. My trainers haven't even showered yet. We're in the gym working like this guy. He's literally saying this guy is going to come in here. He's, he thinks he's going to take food off my family's plate. He's going to take my legacy, everything I worked for. And when I heard jo- Jones say that, I just said, when John starts talking like that, because this is all about legacy for John. It's when you're reaching that status, and and I know we have these debates, right? We have these fun debates: Tom, Joe, Tom Payton, Tom Patrick, uh, MJ, LeBron, whatever, right? We all have these debates, not just us. Everybody in the sports world. In MMA, it's it's, it, it I think it it's clear. John Jones is the greatest of all time. You can, you know, if you want to bring up steroids, that's fine. We can, but when we're really looking at it objectively, John Jones is the greatest of all time. And there's no, there's no discussion. He's going to, he's going to solidify it in July. I believe he's going to be facing, I believe he's facing this fight is next. Stipe versus John Jones is next. I believe it's going to happen in July international fight week for the heavyweight title, the greatest heavyweight of all time and Stipe versus the greatest of all time in John. And I think John is going to make that fight look pretty easy too.
0: I mean, the way he did just throw Gon around like he wasn't 6'4", right? 6'4", 245. Yep, 245. I I kind of forgot how massive Gon is. And coming to this fight, like, it was not supposed to be that dominating performance. And Joe Rogan talked about the only damage he took was a knee uh, in the first 10, 15 seconds. Outside of that, it was just never a fight to begin with, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. got him to the ground and... You don't see that too often, I would say, in the UFC. I'm more of a casual fan, yeah. And the fact that he just in that big of a moment, three yeah, and in, off, in the I championship
1: fights, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's I crazy, yeah. Justin, did you have anything?
2: You you know, I think the the biggest thing about the fight is so you you see. Do you guys hear me?
1: Yeah, I hear you go. So
2: know. off. That's kind of why I've been, but um. Okay, I, I feel like the biggest thing about the fight is three years off his physique from his last fight compared to this fight. It's okay, uh, you know what, what, what kind of version of John Bones Jones are we gonna see? But he said it at the fight. He's been wrecked since he was he. Once he got got him on the ground, he's comfortable. That that that's his bread and butter. So match ended a little bit faster than uh a person that's pretty new to ufc uh, our clown brands needs to be early i'm not waiting until 12 o'clock to, to watch half. so but i call know it, it's one of those things it, it's awesome to see somebody over, overcome so much take three years just a quick reminder i'm still him so john bones Has it man, and I saw Chandler Jones in the background, too. Might be tuning into more of John Jones's fight, just Brandon.
1: There you go. Uh, you cut in, you cut in and out there, but I think we got the overall message that Justin is saying this guy came back after three year layoff, and he said he is him. He reminded everybody who he is. Uh, 100% agree with that, Justin. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I listen, I tweeted. This sport is, is, is the greatest, in my opinion, is the greatest sport in the world. Uh, the excitement, the butterflies that I got for these fights when they're about to happen, Bruce Buffer, Buffer's excitement. You got know, Joe Rogan, DC, and John Nannick, are just one of the greatest broadcasting teams out there, commentating teams. You, you, the, the production style. The the anticipation, the build, the 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 atmosphere, everything about it. Like like you love game sevens, right? You love the last five minutes of a game seven in the NBA finals. You live for that moment, moment, moment. It, 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 the super bowl the fourth quarter 3 4 minutes left in the game you live for that moment baseball world series bo- bottom of the ninth or whatever it is you got a full count 3 2 you live for those moments world series uh, hockey you, you you know you're you're going into the uh, overtime or whatever soccer you're going into the penalty can you live for the mma every second is that moment because anything can happen the fight can happen like like that
0: there is okay. no build up
1: it, it it just happened. so that's where the anticipation comes from i mean I, i'm and, and i gotta give a shout out this so they've been in the apex the last couple of times um the apex is the is their performance uh it's right next to their performance center actually in vegas uh it's where they can now hold it's where they held events for sometimes during the pandemic where they don't have to have fans and they can control it it's a ter- it's it's a bad atmosphere now because Uh, the pandemic has ended, you know, there's more safety, so please go out and you know, but you know, they don't have to sell tickets. They can save money and all that stuff. They can put on uh, lesser known fights and stuff like that. Uh, But now they're running from now, from this fight until I think the end of April, maybe, uh, maybe going into May, the first week of May, every fight is going to be in front of a crowd. uh, Fight card. So it's going to be very exciting. I mean, we've got Next week, uh, this upcoming week, we got uh, Piotr Jan versus Marab Devalishvili, which is a great fight in the Bantamweight division. I think that's in front of San Antonio. I might be getting that wrong. But then after that, we got London, a first pay-per-view in London in a very long time, Leon Edwards versus uh, Kamaru Usman, uh, the trilogy for the welterweight championship uh, in, in, in in Rocky uh, Edwards' home, home country. That's going to be great. We got a co-main event in that fight, great too. Then after that, we've got um, – I'm trying to remember. Vera
0: uh, versus San Hagen.
1: Uh, oh, yes. Cheeto Vera versus San Hagen. I think that one's in San Antonio. That's a great fight, uh, and that's a good card, too. Uh, uh, and then we've got the pay-per-view, another pay-per-view right after that, too. We got uh, that one's Adesanya versus Pereira, the rematch or the quadrilogy, if you want to call it. And they and we've got Game Bread coming back in Miami, first time they're being in Miami in 20 years. Uh, so wow. it, I, I know March is usually March Madness. Uh, but the UFC for March is, is putting on a hell of a hell of a month. So it, it's going to be great time for sports fans in general. Uh, I, I'm pumped for it. Love it.
0: I agree with you UFC. It does feel like the final four minutes of an NBA game and mm-hmm. the buildup, like I said before, there's not much of a buildup. It's every moment is game seven and every minute detail given how many rounds they are, it means so much more. And unlike football, where you have three quarters, and unlike basketball, where you have 82 regular season games, it's just, it means so much, and the storylines continue to develop more and more. Mm-hmm. And much like March Madness, Brandon, we saw, I mean, my favorite fight I've ever watched, personally, was Leon Edwards or Suzman. That was incredible. The comeback, the rocky light, he actually wins. He doesn't just stand up to him, but he actually gets the, the killer knockout with however many seconds are left that did wonders, I think, for casual fans like myself that yes. see that to draw you in, and then you hit them with the kill shot with a match like this. John Jones just dominates on the world's biggest stage. It, it's getting bigger and bigger, and more and more exciting. New time, The got you muted
1: by the way, BC. Oh, sorry. The UFC uh, gets you on these uh, personalities and storylines. Uh, the, ca- the 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 charisma of these guys—they—they—they they, they get you. Uh, it, it's very much like pro wrestling. Uh, pro, but but this is you know they're actually going out there and trying to finish each other. Uh, so so that's why McGregor is such a big. Ba- we love the characters and we love all that. So it is great when when you know fans are able to see a Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman too. Uh, going into that fight or, or certain fights like that because there are the, the other stews fests where, you know, you can see a guy or a girl just laying on top of each other, not doing much, not going for the finish. But it's, it, when it's on its peak, it, 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 I truly believe there's there's nothing better. It's, it's, it's the only sport that really still gives me that butterfly feeling, makes me feel like a kid again where I am so nervous and amped up to see what is about to happen. And it, it's – I love it. You feel like you're there. I feel it. Final thoughts. Uh, I I think I just saw some news, but I don't think it's right, so I'm not going to bring it up.
0: Luca right now is one for seven. Uh, six minutes into this matchup versus the Suns. I did see that KD versus
1: KD versus Kyrie.
0: It is KD versus Kyrie. Is Kyrie on the floor? He, I don't know. It might be Justin Holliday. But, yeah, man, KD, third game as a Phoenix Sun, mashed up on Christian Wood, pick and roll. Wood backing down Tory Craig, thumping him. Dude, oh, gets ball knocked Mike, out.
1: Son. You're not Mike Breen. Come on, man. Ah, gets the bucket. Come on, yeah, man. we'll get there.
0: By the way, Julius Randle, Justin, the fifth person to ever get a double Bane call by Mike Breen. That puts him in the company of guys like Steph Curry, real NBA <laughs> champions.
2: Yeah, man, big, big moment, big
0: moment. Just the start for King Jules. I called him a. Hopefully, we season get season some tonight. tonight. Show those Celtics what it's really like to play real contender. With all that being said, I'll wrap up. Soap, number eighty one. you know, the
2: you guys know guys what play. I call him? MVP.
1: Oh my God. I'd All call
0: right. Jalen Brunson that per se. But, oh, well, John, is,
1: I you want to shout out the
0: Patreon? So, we've had a Patreon account for the last month and a half. We've actually had it for three months now. We've now reached episode number Randy Moss, and we have now surpassed over 400 subscribers on YouTube. We have half a thousand total. We've done this podcast now for eight months. If you would like to get your head in the game, we already have a lot of supporters. We're growing a community here more and more. Our plan for this show is to record two episodes a week, you know, and more importantly, we want to get better and better at this content stuff. As we continue to improve, we're welcoming any of you guys to join us in discords. You can even request topics on the show if you sign up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month or as much as seven, whatever it may be. We appreciate all of you tuning in. But if you have, you know, $12 a year, you'd like to contribute to the show to help us pursue this full time, maybe one day and get us to record more and more often. That's something we'd like to shout out. Um, and just thank you guys for the continued support. I don't know how many people tune in for the entire episodes. I sometimes do. Not always. But, I mean, if you have, that in and of itself is something we greatly appreciate. And uh, we view this as just the beginning of this, this show, at least. And especially, uh, I want to help Justin and BC break into their respective fields and mm-hmm. the broadcast industry. So, uh, we'd appreciate any of you guys that even looked at the Patreon account and considered, let alone actually contributing money to us via crowdfunded platform
1: yeah I, I just want to say one last thing on that um 100 we're trying to, I, I i truly want to be a, be a part of something special i want to grow something here uh with everybody so i mean the, the the stuff we're offering now is just you know a base model for right now we would love to grow it and, and do even more stuff with it uh you know whether that be creating a kind of a, a family type environment where we have fantasy football leagues uh, we have leagues on Madden or NBA 2K, uh, stuff like that. We talk about other things uh, uh, other than sports because we all have interests besides sports too. So let's do it. Broncos country. Game.
0: We go to that Steelers Super Bowl parade together. Let's ride. We have the vlogger for the podcast. With all that being said, I'll wrap up episode number 81. As always, we'll see you next time. Thank do it
2: again. Do it again. Oh, so if you guys can hear me. I didn't hear half of the things that you guys were saying. I was just looking at a bunch of mouths. <laughs> Let's just stay classy one
0: more time.
1: Stay,
0: I have to stay say it again.
2: Classy.
1: See? You cut, out, you cut out last time. All right. Stay classy, ladies stay and gentlemen. Stay classy.